Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. Uh, first things first, yes, I might sound a bit different. Uh, two seconds ago, my Yeti microphone I've been using for two and a half years just decided to call it quits, so it's the old uh, uh, cord in Apple iPhone or uh, Apple earphones right now. So just some real quality podcast audio coming to you right now in this intro. So please, uh, I want to acknowledge you all for suffering through this low audio quality, and thank you for enduring this introduction. Uh, we have a very, very interesting podcast. It's a lot more conversational than it usually is. Um, Amr chats in depth about how he's decided to coach mindset in his consulting business, given that all of his clients are kind of in a different reality, and we define really what that is. And uh, we then get into... Uh, just the power of restoring integrity as a team. And uh, John, believe it or not, even uh, fully tries out Instagram. No, he didn't get his own account, so don't go looking for him. Uh, But he describes in depth (laughs) his experience with Instagram and, and his takeaways as somebody that has truly never made an account or used it ever as a 25 year old um, person. So it's pretty interesting to see his, his thoughts on it. So really interested to know what you guys think of the podcast. If you want to hit us with some feedback or comments on Instagram at the weekly call pod or via Gmail, uh, the weekly call pod at gmail.com. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the weekly call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible that our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Amor, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Yeah, so like I was saying, when we talked last with Megan, she mentioned how she would coach people by being like, you have to do it this specific way versus letting them stumble. And one of the reasons that I didn't fully understand why this type of coaching and consulting should be a lifetime access and not like you pay per year is because people are just on a different, like they're just going through their own journey at their own time and at their own pace. Like these guys are like dads and moms. And like they're managing like their debt and their business and their side business. It's actually insane when you think about it. Right? Like we just had somebody join from um, uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. They have seven kids. Damn. And his, and his wife has a full-time job as a doula. You know what that is? Like a birth doula? Yes. Yeah. And, Damn. And he's on the tools 40 hours a week. So it's like... Oh! He's oh, working yeah, yeah, yeah. in his own... Like he, he, he's, he's a laborer in his own business is what you're saying. 95% of the industry is John referred me to this guy who's an electrician who just like 
Like most people just own a job, not a business. And that's yeah, not yeah, to yeah. their fault. Like the no, reason no, no, they're, so, the reason they're love- so good at what they do is because they just spent all that time on their trade and zero on business. So John, I called yeah. the guy, I gave him a ring earlier today. Great, great electrician. And uh, I touched base with him and he was just busy. Oh, you like, talked to him? Yeah, I introduced myself. He knew me instantly. And I said, hey, oh, nice. let me give you a call tomorrow. He was middle having lunch with his family. Um, seemed like a great guy. Seemed like he was a year. Um, but yeah, a lot of these guys, man, I mean, they're, they're talented. There's a reason all their work is driven by word of mouth because they're really good at what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and because there's no emphasis or no learning done on business and delegation and building trust, uh, they get stuck with really owning, being self-employed. Like that's what it is. They're self-employed. They own their own job. So what I learned from Megan is everybody just kind of goes through their own path. Like there's this one guy who joined the program, disappeared for 12 months and then just like came back in is like, Hey man, like just so you know, like my business partner died, um, had some trouble with my, with my spouse dealing with all this stuff. I'm ready wow. to go back in it. And then he, and then they would go back in it and they would dive in and they'd complete the whole program in two, three months and then have like a 60,000, and then have like a $60,000 a month hmm. or like, I know it's not the most sympathetic view, but like, like what if like Noah, like what if Noah's wife died? Like would the ark just not get built? John, no, you're totally right. But you're talking about mindset and that. Yeah. 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 And, and a lot of people just don't have that mindset like they just did they've never been exposed to it you know i got into this debate with my brother um about how sometimes he feels like i don't take his word for something as seriously like if he says something like let's say uh austin you sat me down and you're like hey Amber, just to let you know like there's a very high chance that next week a meteor is gonna hit earth mm. i'd be like oh shit like like i'll sit down with you and i'll be like okay let's break this down Whereas my brother would come and he was like, hey, like there's a very high chance a meteor would hit next week. I would I would be like, okay, this is interesting. Let's investigate. But it would not have the same effect on on what you said. And I was listening to the podcast with Jack Dorsey and Joe Rogan and Twitter, believe it or not, were able to break down the four elements. Like they have KPIs, like key performance indicators of what a good debate and a good conversation includes. Do you guys want to hear what those are? Because I find those fascinating. Of course. I would. Dude, listen to this. So Twitter can measure if somebody's having a good conversation, and they look for four things. Number one is attention. Like, when I'm talking to you, Austin, are you, like, checking your email? Are you looking at me? Are you on your phone? Are we we all – is all of our attention on each other? That's the first critical element of a good conversation. The second – And they do that by, like – tracking that online yeah like how long did it take to respond mm. how long between receiving the message and then their algorithm detects that they check the notification and that they're starting to type is the keypad still open exactly yeah. so attention mm. that's, that's that's the first one damn the second one is uh i, I can't pronounce this word and i tried multiple times it's repressosity repressio oh you got me fucking it up now dude you know what I mean? I, you know I the knew word. how to literally. I knew how to say that word before I heard you say it. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I feel like I knew how to say it. Until <laughs> yeah. Rep- yeah. I can't so basically, say it empathy. Repressiosity. Nope. No, not, not at all. No, nope. not yeah. at all. I'm gonna get this right. We got. We got a. One of us has to pull it together. Yeah, not one of us can do it. Either yeah. Way. So that's the second one, which is basically empathy. Like, 
reciprocity. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Good lore. Reciprocity. Reciprocity. Yeah. Sorry. City. Okay. I wrote it down here. <laughs> yeah. Reciprocity. Either way. That's the second element. Which, which means, means like. Wait, no, hold on. Which means. Which means like empathy. Like, can. Like, are you. Is this guy your enemy or is this a person you want to learn from? Mm. Like, are you. Are you talking to like. Like, are you having a conversation to just like say stuff or are you actually like listening? Repro- re- reciprocity. Is that how receptive you are to something? Yes. Is that. On the. On the alternate okay, yeah. point of view, you're empathetic. Ah, uh, interesting. That's the second element. Okay. Third element is variety of perspective. Do you guys just have the same exact perspectives on life? Because if there is, like, there's not much new to discover. You know, it's like if you've gone through the same school, same program, you've read the same books, the variety of perspective, and you have the same views on religion and sex and marriage and relationships, you just can get bored. Like. It, it, you can have a good conversation, but not a great one. And Twitter wants to see like great perspective. So they can see like, okay, what's your ethnicity? What area of the world are you from? What, what things are you exposed to? That, that can measure. They can measure their users in having that. And then I explained to my brother the last piece, which is so critical, which, which allows us to have such amazing conversations between each other and as well as like the top people that you coach, Austin, the top people I coach, the top people you coach, John, in your business. The final element, in my opinion, is the most crucial. And that's, do you have the same reality? Meaning, Mm. have you been exposed to the same resources, the same books, the same, like, like we've all done Landmark, we've all gone through StudentWorks, we've all been coached by some of the top people in those Mm. franchises. We all understand the importance of integrity. We, We know what a racket is, a story. We use all this language amongst each other. We read the same books. We read the same quotes from each other. We come by every week. We touch base. What we do every week here is we maintain a similar reality. Whenever John, yeah. Austin's learning about his master's degree, he's like feeding that, that information. Mm. And I realize it's like, well, all the people that I'm really close to in my life, like Dan, James, you, Austin, we have very similar realities. Like, Whatever book, like if like one of you guys, like uh, for example, what one of my friends is, is is um is like going into therapy, and his therapist wrote a book, so I'm like just like interested to read the book because he's gonna be going through this journey over the next two years, and like I want to be able to contribute to the conversation, so I'm just gonna read her book, so I'm in that same reality, um, so yeah. so when I sat down with my brother, I'm like ultimately that's what it comes down to. If, if Austin sat me down, I have such a good understanding of his reality. And he has such a good understanding of my reality. I know how he thinks. I know the tools that he's exposed to. If he sat me down and said, there's a meteor coming to Earth, I can trust that immediately. Mm. Whereas with you, Zaid, like, you haven't done Landmark yet. There's a lot of stuff that you haven't read. You have a different perspective on how you want to market your painting business, like, which is different. It's not a bad thing. It just makes it harder to have a good conversation. Yeah. So I said, the first step is like, give the, give the right tools. Like, make sure you have the right tools. And it, it, it made me think, and this is a question I want to ask you guys, which is, like, if I, have a, if, if I want to date somebody or even marry them, I would want to have the same reality as them, meaning they don't have to necessarily be from the same place or have the same perspective, but I want them to know what the hell I'm talking about when I'm talking about rackets or, like, entropy. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Or, or what, uh, the importance of, of managing your dopamine 
and all these different things that we spent hours talking about, actually years talking about. It's like you want to get the person at least familiar with your reality. And I found that really interesting because the people that have a good, like there's, there's actually somebody who joined TradeArc who's done Landmark. And that's crazy. And he's in the US and like him and I, we can talk in like five minutes. We can cover in five minutes what I need to need 20 minutes to cover with somebody else. You know what I mean? Like when I'm like, I just finished reading Ego is the Enemy. That's a book we all read together. We all have read and we all have the same reality about. So when I'm talking about like, yo, like, let's say we have a conversation. I'm like, yo, John, like, take a second and just like do an audit on your ego. That's it. That's all. That's all I need to do. And John would literally have in his head over 200 pages of context of what I mean by that, that he can just go and take time with whether it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, and I have to sit down and try and explain what ego is because ego has like 50 different definitions. All I have to say is like, Hey John, just like I just read this book. I recommend, you know, maybe you do a quick audit on your, on your yeah. ego. Can I hop in here? Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. This is actually why I stopped taking coaching calls because different realities. Mm. It's I, I realized that it's just not my skill set for one. But two, it the the amount of work that like it, it's 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 a waste of both of our times. Because I used to think that okay, fine, maybe it's not the best use of my time, but like I want to give back, you know, so to speak. But then I realized it's actually a complete waste of their time as well. So I'm actually just wasting both of our times by taking calls from now on. Because the, the like the tell, yeah, tell you, Austin I mean, basically tell Austin about your experience on that on that cafe with the with the electrician because that I mean that sums it up pretty pretty well yeah this is sick I want to hear yeah it this. was a pretty interesting conversation so well if you actually want we can actually walk through the KPIs and kind of explain you know oh totally yeah that, what was missing there yeah for sure because there I, I when you were saying those I was like oh interesting because what was the what was the first attention one? Um, yeah so I would say right from right from the get-go well, tell Austin very much. To tell Austin, look, where where are you? Who's this electrician? How'd you end up? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, let me yeah, give yeah. the context here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, like I, I am telling. Make sure that we all have a shared. <laughs> let me just make sure we have a shared reality here, right? Okay. So, so the context is, I had a, I did a job for a, a, a client, a really good guy, Alan, amazing guy, and um, really successful. And him and I had, you know, just, you know, like, you know, those clients you just kind of yeah, connect with on, sure. a, on a business level, you, know, you just hit it off. Okay. Well, he had hired a, uh, an electrician to do some work uh, on his home prior to us doing uh, the painting, replacing pot lights. And I guess the guy had done a really good job. So Alan was telling me with this electrician, he said, yeah, it's this young guy who's, you know, um, just starting out an electrical business. And I think you guys should meet. I think you guys would really like one another. And so I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Like link us up sometime. Right. And I'm thinking this is like maybe like a 20 year old or 25 year old, you know, so like somewhere around my age, like just getting started in the electrical business. And I think when Alan had explained to to this guy named Nathan, hey, yo, I don't actually, I, I really don't know what he explained to Nathan. But point being, I was showing up expecting to meet a young guy who was like just getting started out. So I was the angle that I was coming at this from was like, I'm going to meet a young guy. And I also wanted to have an electrician in my back mm-hmm. pocket, like, you know, to, to refer out. And then also just hype, also on a side note, I'm a strider president in my building and we need electrician for some various work on our building. So it just kind of mm-hmm. happened to check off a few different boxes. Normally I wouldn't take the call mm-hmm. for that reason. But point being, um, he's like a 40 year old guy, maybe 45 years old, just starting out in the electrical business. It's like he just finished his first year. Um, he's starting a second year. And he's on the tools, 
like that's just what he like he's like you know this very standard you know works 2000 hours like as an electrician in his business that's it basically right so i think right from the get go i could notice that like he has his mind is about as clear as a worker's can be if that makes sense like i, I just I, I i i think i think if you're running your business successfully i think that there's a different attention that you're going to have so like how i spent my morning was like reading for like three hours. And then I met with a friend, had a super engaging conversation. That friend left right as Nathan walked in. So like my focus was like, <laughs> like I was dialed in. Whereas I think, he, you know, he was like five, 10 minutes late, kind of like maybe like rushing to get here kind of thing, you know, sits down. We, you know, we instantly go into the conversation and it became very apparent that the, the fourth KPI that you were saying, uh, reality, Ammer, difference of reality night and day i was speaking german he was speaking french i was speaking as a business owner he's speaking as a worker it was effectively like me having a conversation about business with one of my employees that i just hired like that's effectively how successful that conversation went in my mind yeah it was tough and i run into this all the time and the art i believe in coaching is the art of changing realities to go back yeah to that beginning yeah i remember uh james was james no, was not successful james mind. was uh i was having a conversation with james and and he asked me a great question which is why do you think that there's not that many great uh people and books and and youtube videos of people who are successful that are really good at helping people who are just starting out so if you think about it like that's tough like most people like talk about their success after they've gotten it and they yeah. try to think about it it's like it's kind of murky or it might not be mm -hmm. as accurate. It's just actually one of the reasons why we do this podcast. So there's always clear data on what was going on in day one that we may have forgotten. And the, and this, and the answer was question. I just gave it away. It's because memory, like you forget what your reality was like five mm -hmm. years ago. So I think a great coach is one who's like so clear on where he was and where he was. And it's like something I always want to be actively good at understanding. Um, and it's one of the things I learned from from actually Landmark, which is just get out of your own head and just just exist next to this person. So if you so you can really absorb this person's reality, mm. um, which is what I loved about the the book Ego's the Enemy. I actually did a whole ego cleanse. I'm gonna call it, where I went mm. through all my ad copy, all my photos on Instagram, my bio. It, you, that book just hit me hard. I'm like, I do not like this. I'm going to do some cleaning up here. Mm. Um, I had a, an understanding. Yeah, it, it was just like, I just, I just had a wrong understanding of what marketing is. I thought it was just like, who can flex the loudest? Boy, am I wrong. I understand now based on some other books that I'm reading. It's like, you can, you can have the easy way of, I think, John, you said this like a year or two ago when I wanted to buy that BMW. Which is like, yeah, if you buy a Lamborghini, like you can get that boost of confidence or you can just go do the work to be confident. I can have all these things in my marketing that just flexes ego or there can be no ego and just really good content that just speaks for itself. So that was like a big shift. Yeah, it's very interesting you mentioned that because, I mean, door knocking in, in a sense is the relinquishing of one's ego. Dude, oh right? my goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Because door knocking is nothing but effective. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Like there's no glamour Oof. in door knocking. Like it's just pure work. There's nothing else to it's it. Sculpting. Right? It's just you're out knocking on doors, hitting the pavement, right? So no, it's very interesting <clears throat> to yeah. say that. No, and, and just on that tangent of door knocking and, and ego, 
Um, I was listening to this really great podcast uh, on Leaders of Tomorrow, uh, Chris Thompson's podcast, uh, where he interviewed a gentleman named Eric Jansen, who um, isn't a, you know, has nothing to do with student works per se, but a student works district manager came across him in a course he was taking at Ivy at Western. And uh, he's one of the only profs in Canada to teach a sales course in business school. He teaches like the fundamentals of sales in business. Yeah. Like Concordia doesn't have that. I would have taken that course immediately, you know, in my degree. And, and, you know, he dropped a few stats and I'll share these with you quickly, but more than 50% of people at some point in their life end up in a sales position and less than 4% of North American universities teach sales. Yeah. Grant, Grant Cardone actually talked about that in sell or be sold. Yeah. So it's just insane. And so he, he teaches this really great course and he was reflecting on how he's just, I disagree with that stat, but do you think like you're saying like sales related, you're, you're saying like not sales roles or you're saying, what do you think? No, I, I think everything sales. Yeah. I'm just saying the sales role, like people end up in like their, their title is actually to do with sales. And and he or argues the same based. thing that he, he's, he's arguing the same thing that you are, John. He believes that everything in sales as well. It's just that many people don't end up like if you're, if you're an accountant and then you make partner or you're now a senior accountant, now you have to go to, the partners and ask for more budget and and this is sales right so like asking for more money is sales Hello? i'm with you i'm with you so okay, what, what happened I was, I was yeah no sorry yeah I, okay yeah, i was yeah. just trying to handle your uh your comment before moving on um i was no, so okay. i guess he, and then he was saying that uh he started uh working he became the chief revenue officer for a tech startup in the uh in the media world where he was you know, he was essentially figuring out a really effective way to, well, this actually, I may, I may be conflating this, but he, he did end up holding that position, but he was talking about building a very strategic door-to-door marketing campaign. He hired and trained, I think he was saying 30 door-to-door marketers. And as he was trying to figure out an effective way to train them, he was like, you know, really writing a script and, and, uh, and trying to perfect it. And then he was just like, screw it the most effective way to determine how effective, like the best way to do door to door marketing is actually just to go hit a hundred doors and, and just try and like refine your pitch and refine your pitch and see what's out there. And so like, I, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, man, that's insane. Because when I started door to door marketing, I was so obsessed with getting like the perfect optimized pitch before I knocked on door one, you know? And like, and- Dude, I was so yeah. <laughs> I was just like so like I wanted to sound proper. I wanted to not embarrass myself. I wanted to not do any of that. Like I, I wanted to come across as being really professional. So I was very hesitant to knock on doors because. So you hesitated to go. Well, out. I hesitated to go out, but I also hesitated to start right because I was like I, I can't. What was your first? What was your for? Do you remember the first door you knocked on? Like what was your experience? I remember the first door I knocked. I do, I do. I always drive by it. I I do as well. Yeah. Mine's actually a pretty yeah. Is yours a good story, Amber? Uh well because mine well, you talk about the first like, literal door. I'm talking door like, one. Oh well, I mean, give I I'm talking about the first like like I, I mean yeah, like basically I remember the first door I knocked on and I remember the story. Like do, like is there like a Wait, it was just a woman with a baby 
saying that she was busy, not interested, and that was it. No, no, I'm talking. I, I, the first door I knocked on, I was there for 20 minutes. No, dude. Wow. I'm not oh, even oh, like pitching. I, I, I bro, did. how is that even? <laughs> yeah, 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 You're yeah, like yeah. that guy no, with no, the, yeah. with the sprayers, no, like. No, that's scrubbing. why I remember it because, dude, dude, I, I knocked on this guy's door and I started pitching him because, like, I just like. Like when I like when I thought of door to door sales, I was thinking like, dude, I'm gonna try and like sell this guy on this fucking paint job. Like, like I I didn't realize it was a canvassing <laughs> position. You know, Who's I mean? your as coach? In, like, we're just trying to get like. Who was your coach, bro? That's this is insane. Well, no, I'm sure that I'm sure that he t- I'm sure that Corey explained it properly <laughs> to me. But I'm I just like I was so adamant that I was gonna get a lead at every like because I was like going to war at every door, right? <laughs> you know so the first door i knocked on i was i'm not even this is no hyperbole either like so like i knocked on the door i pitched the guy and he's like i'm just gonna do it myself and then i was like no no man like it's way cheaper for us to do it he's like no no like it would cost me way less because like my labor is free i said but have you heard of opportunity cost so i started pitching him on opportunity cost and i was trying to explain to him like how it actually would be cheaper and i started like factoring it all in like what do you do for work and i started like trying to build the equation for him (laughs) and so i'm like chatting with him and he's like still arguing with me i'm going back and forth he like comes out he's like hold on he comes outside like grabs his cigarettes like lights a cigarette he's like sitting there smoking like while i'm like talking to him and i'm still pitching him right (laughs) and then he's like one second man he like goes inside like gets in like he like walks past me turns on his truck and then gets back out like and comes over and like starts smoking it like lights another cigarette smoking it and he's like i just just gotta warm up my truck you know because it was like you know february and it was like so he's like letting his truck warm up he's like i gotta head in like five minutes but keep going so like i'm i'm just like (laughs) pitching this guy (laughs) and on trying to get his house painted anyway long story short wasn't the lead and the house is still not painted i drive by okay (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing but it was like 20 minutes that's awesome yeah that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, circle I can back. See my calendar back to t- 2018. The first day I ever knocked on doors was Saturday, January 20th. But I can't tell where I went. Saturday, January 20th, 2018. I have a feeling, but I can't remember the first session. I think I got like, I remember being so nervous to knock on doors that like, I, I just thought it would be a lot more easy because my district manager, Pat, at the time was like, you need 20 leads. As soon as you get to 20 leads, they're going to start calls and then we'll do estimates. So yeah. I was like, okay, I got to get to 20 leads. So I was so reluctant to do door to door that I was just like figuring out a way to get 20 leads. And mm-hmm. I got like probably 12 leads just within like my friend groups, parents and like texting people, right? And it was just so bad. And then I realized like how poor quality they were. And then I was just like, screw it. I'm going to go knock on doors. And I think I got like one lead every two hours. Okay. Actually, speaking of poor quality, can we just address something? Yeah. What's up? What the fuck is without East? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yo, you're on on thin ice right now. Yo, what a pivot. I'm not. No, I'm not. Clarify yourself. I'm strong. No, I'm straight up throwing shade. <laughs> at what? Okay. At what? At what? Dude, clarify. I t- dude, I take like I'm talking like a 30 second glimpse out east on LinkedIn, okay? And I'm seeing kids posting 200 leads this week, 250 leads this week, 100 lead, you know, 100 cold call leads, okay. right? And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, no, they're not leads. They're not leads. A name and a number is not a lead. What is a lead? Not that. Okay. If you're getting 200 leads cold calling, you're doing something wrong. 
in one week. Okay, okay, fine, fine. What is a lead? If, if you have a problem with the definition, give me a definition that works for you. I suppose we could talk about quality of leads. But you just said a name and number isn't a lead. So what is a name and a number? I would say a true lead, okay, is someone who is actually pursuing getting painting in a reasonable amount of time. Okay. How can you possibly assume and when I, that and those 200 aren't, when aren't, I say aren't good quality leads? Because let's talk about quality. You're just Ammer. talking about quality. Ammer. Ammer. Okay, so here's the thing. Okay, like if we just go quickly take it some stats, okay? For sure. So I, my team and I have knocked on just about every single door in my, in my territory in Kelowna, okay? okay? And this has taken us four weeks. Guess how many leads we in got. In four weeks? Yeah. Uh, four. And we hit, we hit almost my entire area. Okay, well, how many doors, like how many, how many houses are in your area? I, I mean, I don't, it's, we don't hit every house because like, there's obviously some. Here's a better question. How many doors those. can you knock on in an hour? Um, I would say, I don't know, maybe like, depends on the area. I don't know, maybe 50 to a hundred. It really in an hour? No, 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 no. Sorry. Here's a better question. How much can one guy, how many doors can one guy knock on in one hour? Sorry. I'm saying in a night, in no, a no, night, no, no, no. sorry. In, in one night, hour, in one hour, how much can one guy On the high side, 50 to 60. On the low side, 20. 50 to 60 doors in one hour? Yeah, a minute. Okay, and you've done yeah. four weeks of canvassing? And it seems yeah. to me like uh, you only really go for high-quality leads. Like, you're not trying to create demand. You're trying to extract demand. Correct. Okay. I My guess is in four weeks, you have 250 leads around that. 109. Okay. Okay, guess how much I've booked off that. Off those 109? How many booked jobs? Yeah, so far. In four weeks? No, how many, how much in sales? Well, it's going to be easier yeah. to guess the number of closed jobs. Um, mm, no, because my average job. 250,000 yeah, in the last month. No. 200,000. No, 180,000. That was my second guess, 200,000. Which is $1,700 per lead, Okay. Okay. What's the sales per lead on the on these guys is two hundred leads. These guys might do two, these guys might do a hundred. So John, I would say I would say that like I agree with you with the quality of leads. I think that for sure. Um, I, I would say if people are getting two hundred leads in a week, um, I'm gonna say at least a third of them are C leads. Like they're not necessarily work. Like you can even get a hold of them. I, I would I would say way more than a. third. No, I'm saying at least a third are C leads, meaning like they're not even gonna be reachable and they're barely interested in getting work done ever. Not even this year, right? But what's the what's the strategy behind? Like it seems like, like I understand that there's also just a lot of people going out. But like I was thinking about this even like when like I was thinking back to the like the the call we had with Broder and Justin, um, Justin about like how many leads they had, and I thought about it. I'm like, man, the revenue per lead here is just yeah. not like it's just not even. Yeah, so like th there's definitely, but it's a total waste. It is of a time. waste of time to get leads that you aren't going to do work for. Um, I, I do think that it's worth trying to qualify people more at the door for sure. So I, I do agree with you. Like there's no, there's no if, ands or buts here. Well, 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 let me ask. Cause, on, cause yeah, on go the ahead, other sorry. side though, on the other side, I do. Think I just feel like someone needs to say something cause it seems like it's a part of the culture. 
Like, it's not like there's like one dude who's out here getting 200 leads in a week. It's like, it's like a thing. Like, like, it, like out East, you guys like, like to me, that's all ego. Yeah. Fair enough. That's all ego. Fair it's enough. like, Hey man, I got a hundred leads this week, 200 leads. It's like, no one's actually like, like, it's like, this is the whole like seeking to impress rather than being impressive. It's like, who gives a damn mm. what, how many names and numbers you get? We're talking about sales here. Okay? I, I would even go further, um, like and, profit. And, like that's like, yeah. that's actually what it, what matters. Okay. Yes. I, yes. Yes. I, yes, yes, yes. Profit. But ultimately you need sales before you, you know, you can't, you, you know, you're, so just hear me out on the, on the, on the generating leads part. I understand it's what, how much profit you would generate, but for it, that's a production thing. And that's, you know, I know there's sales involved with how much profit you make, how much, how much retail rate you can get, but just give me the revenue part. Cause it's like, there's a quote that I was, um, uh, that was that I that I highlighted this morning that I thought was just fucking amazing, which is that game killed by mouth cannot be loaded onto a horse. Game slaughtered by words cannot be skinned. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that one. Austin, do, do you get yeah. that quote? Okay. Um, I read it this morning when John sent it. I don't really get it now. Well, let, let's say, oh, yo, Austin, like yesterday, man, I just like completely slaughtered this like 200 pound deer. It was awesome. That, 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 those are just words you, your next question would be like can you show me it like where is it you know so well john is your what what's your criticism because there my criticism what's your is criticism? dude it seems like there's a massive unfuckery that needs to happen where people need to stop posting how many leads they got and start posting their damn sales i, I think people tell post me, sales tell i don't me know how much austin do you know I'm actually looking know, for man, stuff on, like, like John, is there specific, you don't have to name people, but like you're saying you saw three people post these types of things that are yeah, man. businesses. Yeah, at least. at least three. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, I, yeah. I would say that, are, do you know if they're, um, if they're first year operators? No. You don't know or they aren't? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. know. Yes, yeah. I don't My know. best guess would be no one no one makes those posts unless they're trying to prove something to themselves and and or other people and yeah in in, in defense i am generalizing after seeing three yeah. posts but all i'm saying is it, it definitely seems like there's you know like, i don't sure know that to me was like a yeah, yeah. yeah so yo, a couple of things because i i actually wait austin you want to go first i was just going to say if there is no sales or very little sales that come from that job I think they themselves will learn that that was not appropriate or to or to qualify leads better or or to look at the quality of your leads before making the presumption that getting 200 leads in a week is a good thing, right? To me it's just embarrassing to see. It really but, is. Why? That's like so Yeah, see that's what I disagree with, I think, is that I like, don't know if it's like what story are you creating? Like, it's, like it, maybe this is a part of their learning process because they haven't realized how maybe they have unqualified their leads. Yo, John, let me yeah. let me say this. A lot of the people who are sharing those numbers are usually the district managers who are trying to pump up their team. There is a little bit of that mm. pumping up. Like if I'm a district manager, think about this. I and I, I want you to get familiar with their reality. And I'm there's I'm also um, doing some uh, a lot of hypothesizing here, but it's based on some knowledge that I do have right. and it did have uh, being coached specifically by Chris Thompson and not any other DM. Um except that one time that I was where I did observe this when I was DM'd by Vanessa. Uh, as a DM, there's this like understanding that I want to encourage action through my team members and the people that uh, I, I district manage. So 
a, one or two members of my team go out and put in action and they get 200 leads in a week, I want to highlight that so that it, there's more traction on LinkedIn for potential recruits in the future. And at the same time, if there's somebody scrolling on LinkedIn on my team, I want them to see that and be like, oh man, like I got to get my ass out there, right? So that's one perspective. They're aware of this. And, and look, Stoneworks East is also well aware that the leads actually don't matter. Like leads don't matter. Not even doing estimates matter. It's how much do you close? And let alone that, like, because there's people who close like $180,000 jobs where they're like making $10,000 at the end of it. That's also like not a good business. When I give my presentation, if you remember, one of the first things I mentioned was profit because that's all that matters. You can run a 500K business like mine, but I, like I'll be impressed, like t- like maybe whisper to me, but like tell me how much did you make off that? Like how efficient was that? Like mm-hmm. that's that's what gets me excited about running a business. You know, we'll, we'll, yeah, I agree. Right. So there's like these both dimensions, and these people are aware. And sometimes as a district manager, when you have so many roles, you can easily fall into the the crowd of yeah, you know what? Like let's you know let's uh, let's just share how you know this one guy on my team, John went out and got 200, 200 leads in a week. Like, let's, let's get out there. Let's go take some action. There's a lot of work out there. So it, it can be encouraging. Mm-hmm. And without the right context or coaching, which I don't think is missing because all the coaches there understand that, especially if you're a DM, you get paid on sales. You don't get paid on leads. So if you're a good DM, you want sales because you make a percentage from your operators. So these, these DMs know what they're doing because they're trying to get the sales ultimately, but it all starts with door knocking. And because it's January, because it's February, there's a lot of resistance. A lot of people don't want to go door to door. 100%, yeah. And so they're trying to push that. And at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, sure, this might be like a small minority, but I would all, even I like challenge you here a bit. How many days have you spent on LinkedIn? How many hours have you spent on LinkedIn? How many individual people did you observe with this activity before you shout out over 200 businesses out east it just seems like brash yeah i would agree with your conclusion it was it was too maybe too big of a generalization but i would but i would i would john put it this way for us three i i after five years of running a business it would be out of line hold on i stand by that that would not happen out west Mm. and that that, and that that is a part of the culture out east there's 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 effectively a zero percent chance that anyone would ever go and get 200 quote unquote leads in brackets. Okay. Um, or in quotations out West, it just wouldn't happen. Well, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. what to say. I mean, like, wait, wait, what do you mean? You're sorry for him? I don't know. Well, I mean like he, the, the most, the most leads that he, anyone's ever gotten out West is I think like 300 leads or something, three, 400 leads in, in the whole year. Yeah. That might be. The so case. I just, I have a hard time, but like, it's like, how is that not, how is that not, like that, like that, that's why, that's why I call out the whole, the whole company in a sense that like, I feel like that's, 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 I think that's, I think that is a, a fair thing to call out. If you see three people and you you also have your rookie of the year last year with 1200 leads, there seems to be a misconception of what a lead is. Yeah. I think, I think if what you're saying, John, is that they could trim the fat and not qualify leads that at the door that don't deserve to be qualified and go from 500 leads to 200 leads and only stick to your a and b plus leads i think they could go from 1200 leads or 500 leads. i think they could probably that guy who got the 200 leads or 300 leads i think they probably could have got down to 20 maybe maybe even 18 um 
I think that's too low. And where I'm going with this is that I think that your numbers regarding closing um, that are getting the sales at the door, um, I, I think, or the leads at the door, rather, I think that, uh, granted, I don't know your turf, I don't know the houses, but I would say, like, um, those leads would be of, of I, I would say you maybe missed out on a few leads. Like, I think the pendulum could swing the other way. If you're, like, trying to qualify people at a very high level, like, you're only interested in A leads. I mean, I would say, like, the odd C lead and 10 to 15 B leads often convert themselves throughout the year, right? So it's it's not necessarily a bad thing to cast a wide net, but I do agree we get to the point where you're getting 200 leads a week. Like, yeah, maybe 75% of them aren't convertible, and then and then you're kind of wasting your time, you know? Yeah, but but I mean, it's not even just a but it's not even a small thing. I mean, you know, it might take you a full week to call two hundred people, and then are you only calling them once? I know, I agree with that. If you're getting, I agree with that. It's superficial. I don't know if if anyone who's running uh, a business for the first time has the capacity to call all of those two hundred leads, you know, before they expire themselves. You know, there's a huge cost to talking to people and then not following up with them and treating them like they're a lead right for sure i just don't know if like comparing east to west is in anyone's favor because no one's experienced both okay yo john hold on i just found something that i found data because that's what we're just lacking some data so devin thompson is one of the guys uh uh out east who i believe runs a very solid like he's a very solid district manager and he posted some stats he said 19 people eight months 4,200 leads sourced. Mm. If you do the math on that, 4,200 divided by 19 is around 200 leads, 220 leads per person. So I don't know what you saw, but it could have been a combination of operators going out for like seven days, like could have been like literally 10 or 12 operators going out together. Heck, maybe, like, I don't know what it is. I I actually ultimately agree with you that Mm -hmm. highlighting leads is redundant. I get it. You guys are disagreeing with me throwing shade out east, but you agree with the point that I'm trying to make. I disagree. Yeah, yeah. The, the overall criticism out east is like just uh, is on loose loose ground. I just here's the but thing. Yeah, I agree. I, I, just, I don't think so though. I don't think so. I mean, it's probably not even a conversation worth having because I don't, I don't know if it's if it's even how productive it would be. But I would say that in general, I'm just like even just the very quick spurts that I see the occasional times that I just quickly hop onto LinkedIn, it seems like there's a map, like ego is the enemy. seems like a book that should circulate out East. Okay. I gotcha. And that, that's my stance yeah. on that. One. Th- and, 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 and like, like, it's like, like when I see, when I, when I see operators out East posting 200 leads, I'm also not surprised then to see another group of operators wearing Gucci flip flops, yeah. you know, with like, like, you know what I mean? I just, it's just not, like it's it, like it, to me that's consistent mm. and that's why i say that's a culture play like it's not like i'm not just seeing the leads thing it's like the every average on my I team john was 184 per person for the year yeah that includes me yeah well how do you know what the average sales per lead was i i actually uh, have yeah. i have that number my, on my team it's 918 across all or just across all sorry so it includes it's boosted. Yeah. Okay. So cold call, I'm gonna guess is yeah, at yeah. least half of that. Yeah. Oh, I have sorry. Sales per lead on my team is four twenty from last year. Four twenty four hundred and twenty dollars of revenue per lead. Yeah. And for Devin, it was okay. seven hundred sixty one. For cold calling? Yeah. 
Damn, Devin. Left me That's in the dust. That's actually more respectable than I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Devin, yeah. Left me the, Devin is the cream of the crop out east. Like, For sure. He's, he's one of the top guys there. So. Oh, yeah. His team and his culture. And I understand, John, one thing you should you should also just uh, you know take into account is out, out east, they have a, uh, a LinkedIn marketing strategy that they're very heavy on, mm-hmm. which is yeah. based on creating content. And as a guy who has created content personally, when there's the entropy of creating content starts with high quality posts and then entropy kicks in and then you start like posting photos and then it drops into just like showing off or like talking stats because it's just easy. And I fell into that trap too. So you should just consider as well as like out East, they do have a very successful LinkedIn marketing strategy that they've recruited dozens of high quality operators through LinkedIn. And part of that strategy just like how we talked about Nathan from the New Money Podcast, is you need to produce just content. You just need to be posting, posting, posting. So when you have an obligation to your coach or DM out east where you need to post, 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 uh, you might get lazy or have poor time management where when it comes to the end of the day, you don't know what to post, but you just came back from a canvassing session where you had like 60 leads, but they're all like C. So you Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I can give some goodwill. I can give some goodwill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... think East and West are a little bit different, but hey, I mean, like, uh, we're all, I guess, I guess it's interesting that we're talking about this because none of us are actually still with, with StudentWorks East or West, right? Well, not officially, but like we're still, we're still in the market and we understand, right? Of course, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying I don't exist there. I'm just saying like, we're, we're, we're all kind of moved on to different things. One thing I've noticed that's very different uh, from, from running a painting business for four years and going into roofing is that you experience a bottleneck in a different location of the sales funnel, which I would have never seen coming. Like to me, it's always been the difficulty of getting a pre-qualifying a really good lead. Once you've pre-qualified a really good lead, the estimates actually the logical next step, right? Like it, if you have an A lead, are you talking about painting or roofing? Painting. This is the case for painting. Yeah. yeah. Can, can yeah, I guess I the bottleneck for roofing? But I want I want you to finish, but yeah. I want to get Yeah, it. no, actually go ahead. Yeah. I think the bottleneck in roofing is is the pre-qualifying. Cuz you need I think I feel like the estimate is really important and from my understanding with my conversation with Patrick, the, the like a good closing rate in roofing is like around 40 to 45%. So, it'll be getting really high quality estimates. And estimates, you know, I mean, you already come in prepared, you're just presenting. So mm-hmm. to me, the bottleneck sounds like sending more emails before the email, before the estimate, okay, and, and having more this. touch points, like more eight-point phone calls, mm-hmm. maybe one or two or three calls before the estimate. And yeah. that's where the bottleneck lies versus just doing the estimate. Okay. So my guess, and I don't know if this is like a, a part, I, I, yeah, but my, my, the bottleneck that I'm guessing is the close. You guys are both wrong. Um, the bottleneck okay. is actually, even if you get an A plus lead, at least in the preseason, which I'm going to call before March 15th, because in roofing, you start uh, first week of April. Oh, yeah. So the bottleneck is actually just scheduling estimates. Yeah. So isn't that the pre-qualifying for the estimate? Well, sorry, maybe I misunderstood you then, Amber, because... I'm saying that uh, the, the bottleneck for me that I was talking about is going from lead to estimate. Okay. Then you're right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Um, because like, let's say for example, like one week 
uh, in early January, myself and uh, one of my marketers went out and got like 70, 75 leads in one week, just crushed it. Right. And like good leads, John, man. Okay. Dude, John's just raising his eyebrows. <laughs> make an ins- ma- fucking make a LinkedIn post about it. Jesus. Damn. Well, I didn't, I didn't. So I didn't trigger you, but Hey, uh, I've read ego is the enemy, John. I know, I know that's not wise of me. You know what is um, a good lead? Hold on, because I feel like I'm missing something here. You kind a of good explained lead it, is but not really. Who knows they need to get work done that year, and and requires a minimal amount of work to then schedule. An yeah, estimate. yeah, exactly. Like, 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 Amher. Like, so, like, if I told you that you got a lead and you ended up booking a ten thousand, uh, a five thousand dollar job, okay. Do you think it's worth it? If I got a lead that scheduled to a five thousand yeah. dollar job, well, yeah, of course that's worth it. You don't have enough information though. What if you had to call this guy once a week for two years, right? What if you left how many? Oh, like emails? what's the what labor you, rate like, of that lead? Yeah, you have like you have to put in so much labor for some leads. It's just not worth it, right? Like, is it really worth? that no that's why i scheduled estimates at the door this was my philosophy in my business okay i i know that there's tactics around it but but you're not scheduling set you're not but then but then, but then austin or Amber, i would actually agree with you more because guess what if you were scheduling the estimates at the door the most you're going to get every night is maybe three or four not seven oh i would get one week, or two right? in an hour yeah <laughs> yeah that's estimates yeah okay booked estimates <laughs> yeah maybe for a little bit of the year but anyway keep going <laughs> see i think like there's a side of Amber and I that just kind of like, we're like, yeah, we, well, we no, I obviously know that's not the case okay. that is, no, but, but Austin, obviously I know it's not the case because Amber went out five days a week for three hours a piece. That's 15. Mm-hmm. He wasn't doing 30 estimates a week. Okay. He didn't do 900 estimates his first mm-hmm. year. So I obviously know that the actual math was not actually one to two. It may seem like it was, but it wasn't. Okay. Let's, let's fucking, let's be real. Yeah, but here, John, okay? like, I said booked estimates. Arithmetic. I didn't say done estimates. <laughs> I know, but come on, man. Like it's, it clearly didn't work. But out you're saying you got 30 estimate schedules a week, Amber, is what you're saying. No. No, 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 no. I guess I missed like, Amber, I, But this is my point, yeah, Amber, 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 you no just one, gave John a fucking West, no ammunition one would say that. Again. <laughs> no, out West, no one would, okay. no one would I do that agree. Claim, right? Okay, just, just by happen. the way, I just want to have this. Out East, you guys are like, dude, I did like, out East is crazy, man. Out East is like, like, like out west, it's like, yeah, man, I caught a fish. It was like, you know, it was, you know, I'm making hand gestures for so everyone that's listening. I'm making a small gesture of like an actual reasonably sized fish. Yeah, I caught a fish. It tasted awesome. Out east, you guys are like, dude, I fucking caught a whale. And every single time you guys tell the story, it gets bigger, man. It's crazy. <laughs> every time we tell the story, it gets bigger. Okay, let's let's agree on this, okay? People out west are less likely to be... Uh, sharing their numbers in grotesque uh sizes i think bullshit gets called out way harder out probably i I mean just to say that i've seen a difference between people who live in eastern canada and people who live in western canada i can see the fundamental difference yeah 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 yeah, yeah. just in the people it's all in it's all in good fun too i should say i mean yeah 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 Yeah, and just that was a good way hold on what john said was it's pretty important because like at the end of the day like we're all in our twenties, yeah, running successful businesses, learning about how what it is to to live a good life, and it's it's and we were selected to be part of that system. I mean, 
we're pretty fortunate here. Yeah. Like sure. if you zoom out a little bit, it is in good fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the math is a little wonky out east, but you know, I mean, for the most part, it's all good, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, you guys hey, just man, round at up. At the end of the day. And, and then times, you guys round up and times by four too much. At the end of the day, uh, how many successful operators are created? How many five-star reviews are generated? And how much, mm-hmm. uh, how profitable are, are each operator's businesses? I think those are the only things that matter. So yeah, I had a... The profitability, Amber, seems to be a new focus of yours, which I actually really yes, like yes, this. Yes, yeah. 100%. It, yeah, I really like the focus on profit. Okay, but hold on. But I this think it's a new, a new He's always been like, he's always mentioned that. It's, yeah. okay, well, okay, I, I, there seems to be a new vigor oh, okay. behind it. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. What inspired that? Just out of curiosity, like, what, did you read something recently? Or did, like, did, like, what, like, what inspired you to, like, start? Because you, you seem to be more yeah. aggressive about it, which I, I appreciate. I, appreciate. I observed that there is this... Oh, like, what? What is the right word? I guess yeah. I think there's this like f- fantasization that happens with commercial jobs in the entire contracting industry. Mm-hmm. Every contractor that I talk to fantasizes about closing a million dollar commercial job that keeps them busy for like a year. I know, and that I was thinking about that, and I was like. The only fantasize because the, the 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 revenue is so seducing. It's so seducing to hear that there you ha- you got a chance to bid on a two hundred thousand dollars strata job. So seducing, but what is that labor required to land it? And like, how much of your soul are you selling to make like minimum wage on it? So, uh. Yes and no. I mean, obviously, there's there's logistics behind it. But okay, I can I can confidently say that I didn't do more than 10. Like, large strata quotes last year. John, I'm not talking about you. So, you know how to estimate, you know where to draw your foot in the line. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, okay, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, talking sorry, in sorry. the industry, people are okay making yeah. like five to 10% on like a $100,000 job. And it's like, buddy, hold on a second here. Like, you want to make ten grand after spending three months producing this job? Well, my like, are you out of your is, mind? So, like, yes, it's a hundred thousand dollar job. We'll yes, you're keeping your guys busy, but what w- what is this a charity? Well, no, no, no. But Amher, but even think worse than that. So, like, a lot of these guys, they're like single man shows that maybe have one helper, and it's like them actually booking a big job is the worst thing that could happen for them transitioning to a business owner rather than a, a contractor. Because let's say they do get that six month job. Guess what? you didn't price it to a point where you're ever going to be able to hire one to do the job. So you're actually now hired. You're, you've actually now committed to being a laborer for the I next know, six months. I know. And that, so now the, the emphasization, what, you're checked out for the next six the months. The emphasis right? comes from the realization that a lot of these guys that are booking, because I came up with a new, like a, uh, an ad angle that has been really working on, on capturing my ideal audience. It's the fishing test, basically. Mm. Uh, did I ever t- told you about that? Awesome. Yeah. The fish you're holding a fish. No, 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 no. Well, you, the, you got picture, pictures taken of you with something. Me in the fishing, background. me fishing. Because the, the idea of it is, and this is what I call the fishing test. And I truly think that one of the best measures of how good your contracting business is is whether or not you can pass the fishing test, which basically is can you take a week long fishing trip anytime during the year and still make money from your contracting business? Mm. Okay. And the highlight there is still make money from your contracting business. And a lot of the guys that I am talking to are like dads and moms who are mm-hmm. like in debt, who are like have kids, mm-hmm. who 
need to get up and and I don't want to help them close a $50,000 job. I don't care about that. I want them to help them close a job that makes them $20,000. Mm. So I guess John to answer your question, that's where the emphasis comes from because in the real world when you're outside of the leaderboards and all that, it's like it all that matters is 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 profit. And that's why I only really cared about profit when I was running my my business. Mm-hmm. Like okay, 500k is fun, but like I wanted to make sure I did it more profitable than I did the first year. Like, remember, mm-hmm. Austin, you did 165 your first year? Uh, Yeah, 160. Yeah, I, I did 225. We made the same money. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. That hurt me. I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, I worked harder than I should have. Mm-hmm. I need to make more money. Like, you and I made around like 60K that year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Something's off. I got to trim the fat. So when I did 500K, I wanted to make sure like, mm-hmm. okay. How can I triple my profits while doubling only my effort? Yeah. And, and, I, and I, you know. Yeah. Um, that's what matters, right? So. Yeah, really. Because at the end of the day, you have to, you have to, you have to make profit, which is also funny that operators what, what, aren't as, it, as focused on profit because how much you pay the franchise is based on revenue, not profit. Mm-hmm. You know so you should, you should, you, know you should be funny? protecting your profits. Mm-hmm. Um, this reminds me, so I, uh, I had, so my lawyer had introduced me to a tech guy, uh, here, here in Kelowna who had successfully raised a lot of money for his business, like like multi millions, you know, in funding and sold the business or exit in the tech world, they called it a successful exit. Okay. And and so I went to like this like social gathering with with him and a bunch of other sort of tech entrepreneurs. And I thought it was so fascinating that not one of them was ever willing to talk about profit. <laughs> Did you ask them? Yeah. Like, of course, because I was I was interested. I said, like, how much did you say your business for? Oh, I, I can't tell. Undisclosed amount. Right. Or. How, did, did the money did, did like did the business make money well no we, you know like but like it was it was always like everything was hush hush mm-hmm. hush right and i was thought that was so interesting because when you talk to contractors like you know like trades people mm-hmm. like that's what we focus on is we focus on profit but tech guys don't focus on profit they're always like number of users like they, they have like these interesting metrics that they use which are awesome to like as a sales mm-hmm. pitch but Unless those translate to profit, it's I find it very interesting mm-hmm. uh, that that's the focus, right? Well, you and I mean we actually are seeing this right now in the stock market. I mean, there's some very notable businesses that have had some pretty interesting, you know, yeah. volatility in their stocks, whether it be up and down. And these tend to be businesses that are, you know, somewhat questionable on the profit side. Yeah, I I had a a funny experience this weekend at an estimate that I thought you guys would find uh kind of entertaining so i was presenting a quote it was our smaller quote of the day it was for a semi-detached roof meaning like two houses kind of share one roof in a sense so like we're only presenting it to one half and then usually if we book these types of jobs we'll just go knock at the door next door and say hey like we have the contract to replace your neighbor's roof same roof you know it it all needs to be done so if you want to get a quote for it too we could give you uh an extra five percent off of the regular pricing we have going on um and so i was in the process of closing this roof and and the people were very reluctant to uh move forward on the day because they have never hired a roofing company before they didn't know if the like they just 
not very familiar with making these types of decisions, right? They just moved here from somewhere else. And um, they were just like, well, you're the first people, you know, and they're kind of going down the road of wanting to get other quotes. And so, you know, we had had a great conversation up to that point. They were happy with the references. They were happy with, like, they were really happy with how the price felt it lined up with their budget. But they were just like, hey, like, we're not too sure. And, and I just ended up asking more questions about like, so do you guys think the price is fair for what you're getting? Or are you trying to just see if there is like maybe an affordability thing? Like, are you trying to see if that price fits your budget? Like in the price realm, is it more that you're trying to make sure you're getting a good enough dollar per value or value per dollar? Or are you trying to make sure if this dollar amount can fit your budget? And they're like, yeah, it's, a, it's actually more about our budget. And I was like, well, you know, our pricing changes every March 1st. And so I can tell you that, you know, our quotes are good for six months. Um, but the problem is that the best thing that we can do for you right now is if you're able to make an open, like a deposit on one of these options to lock in your pricing at the 10% discount. And, and I kind of just helped them see that that was going to be the best option for them if price was their actual biggest objection. And they, you could see they were kind of wanted to just talk about it more. And I was like, and, and sometimes I do this. Sometimes I'm just like, hey, I can step outside for like five, 10 minutes. You guys can talk it over and I'll come back in and we'll see what makes the most sense. Like I've done that many times. And yeah, it's a great, great and, move. and they go, great they look move. at me dead in the eye and they go, no, no, it's okay. Stay there. We'll just speak Spanish to each other. And they literally proceeded to speak a language that I don't know in front of me. And they were like, for five minutes, they were like talking and talking and talking and talking. And I'm sitting there with my sales rep who were training to, to do these estimates. And I'm just like, man, uh, this is hilarious. Um, you know, and I just found that so weird that like that, I've never had that happen to me before where they're like, no, no it's okay. We'll just speak a language you don't understand. <laughs> you know? And then at the end, I, I, I was like, uh, I was really trying to figure out how to say, I know how to speak Spanish. Like I was trying to, I was like going to Google it on my phone so I could tell them like, oh, I know how to speak Spanish. And they'd like shit their pants. It'd be so funny. Uh, but no, I just wanted to share that. That was pretty, that was very, very interesting. Um, but I, but I, I had another quick thing that, uh, that Wait, I Wait, how do you, how do you guarantee price for six months? That seems like suicide. Dude, price materials has been jumping yeah. like crazy. What do you, what are you on? Yeah. How does that, how does that even work? Whose idea was that? <laughs> well, it, it works. Well, the problem is like, we have these conversations with people if we need to, right? But typically our, our, our quotes are good for six months because they, we, we want to honor our word. Like we're doing our best to project. Wait, hold friends. on. If you sell someone a paint job or sorry, a, a roofing contract, are you like, cause like what if the price of the wood goes to the roof? Yeah, but, but it does though. Or it do, does. Do you have, and, and, no, no, no. I know I, it, it can, it, it, but, um, do, do you have the ability to change your pricing as a roofer? Um, it's just, it's, it's the same thing from painting. Like it, it, you do have the ability to change it. You can change your price on anyone, anytime well, you want. Kind of. And paint in painting, I, I mean, again, maybe this is an east-west thing, but like when we say we're going to do a price, no, that's it. No, 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 no. Changing it. We do that too, but I'm saying, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, John. I'm saying if you needed to change your price with a client after you booked the job, which I don't think that happens, I'm saying you go have that conversation. But typically it just results in a very, it's like a net negative effect, even if you do agree on changing the price. Yeah, I guess the only thing you could say 
in the case of roofing is if the if the price of wood actually did go up i think you could actually just come to them and say hey like this is actually not exclusive well, we, to me yeah like, anyone we don't use a job. lot of wood so yeah. thankfully that didn't affect us a lot like we only replace plywood decking on roofs um like keep in mind we don't install plywood decking as like on new builds or anything right that's actually a part of the framing so um sometimes we do have to replace the decking on a roof so we do that and then our our, our wood costs are, are a little bit different but the shingles like and and all your metal and asphalt roofing that can change quite variably too yeah okay no, so, for, so, for the electricians enough. and carpenters that i work with like it, it like after having many conversations the rule for them they actually include at the bottom of the uh, estimate that the estimate price is only valid for two weeks subject to revision for changing of material price right Man, that'd be way so harder, no but the like to book jobs in for advance. sure but the estimate is valid for two weeks but they're gonna make a, a like let's say an electrician or a plumber goes in to close a job emmer oh and, and they're um, booking for months in advance yeah, yeah there's gonna have to be a revision on the price of wood right so that must be very difficult to close not at all. If you're transparent with them, you should be like, "Hey, look, like here's here's literally a chart about the, the the price of wood and how crazy it is." Like, so do they just include their material cost in the thing and saying, "Hey, here's how much I charge you for material." But they then, separate like, the material. And, you know, whatever wood is, what yeah, whatever wood is at the time is what you're gonna pay. Yeah, that, that makes does, sense. Yeah. That makes or sense. or if yeah. the customer is open yeah. to it, they like they can just buy the wood and store it somewhere if they have that ability, so that when they do come to install mm-hmm. it. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah. Yeah, that's like mm-hmm. a reality. Like you can't hold that price. Like. Uh, yeah yeah price of wood it, yeah different industries would have different things i'm sure that there's systems you could build around that but yeah well, that, yeah that is one of the systems just better expectations i think when you're building fences and decks which is like you know a lot of big companies do it's like you know that's that's like a real wood thing is the gotta, biggest thing it's so, so wood for sure so yeah insane. although interesting enough though i guess like if you wanted to if you were like a large enough contractor you could just like buy a bunch of wood like just bulk wood that like if you if you knew you needed a bunch of fences and for example and you could just like arbitrage that like yeah mm. like just just take advantage of, the, of different price i mean at that point though you are like potentially risking like if the, if the price of wood went down mm-hmm. right it has come back down a little bit but yeah yeah i wanted i wanted to show you guys this um there was yeah can't find this but i was looking back at like yeah it was here no i can't i can't find it but basically there there was a time when i was in uh in university when i was running my painting business where there was there was like a weekend where i worked at td and then went to a lecture and then went to toastmasters after the lecture, like all within like the same day, like TD lecture, Toastmasters. And then the next day I would fly to New York for two days for landmark. And then I would fly back two days later, literally just two days in New York, fly back same day, do an exam and then go canvassing. It was like nuts. And I'm like, whoa, like how do I get back to that level of efficiency? And so I rung up land. Well, maybe that's not efficient though. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it. No, 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 no. Efficient, yes. Focused, no. Like, was is it productive? I don't think so, because mm. I'm focused on so many things. But it was efficient. I suppose. But do you think that you would want to get back to that? I want to get back to the integrity that made that happen for sure. 
Oh, okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, because I, I was gonna say, like, I, I don't know, like, uh, I'm okay. So here's my predicament, which kind of piggybacks what you're talking about, Amber. Yeah, yeah. Because, do you guys ever feel the sensation of always trying to return to like some former glory? You know. Yeah. Like some, like some form, like some strength of your, like, do you, like, do you ever like fantasize about like how strong you were at some point in time? I would say like, well, well um, that was, that was an expression of just one part. Everything else was broken. No, no, because I do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I do. But what I find so fascinating. Okay. So, but you guys can relate to the sensation of like, man, like remember this one yes. time I was, you know, maybe my, my mindset was stronger yeah, yeah, yeah. or maybe I was more disciplined sure. or maybe I wasn't so soft or what. Okay. But I think about that, but then it's like. Like, I keep thinking about like, wow, man, like what? Like I was so much more disciplined, or so much blah 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 blah. But then I look at this. So last year, at this time, I was sold at one hundred and twenty-three thousand. Okay. Hmm. That's insane. And right this now, year, I'm sold at five hundred and twenty-three thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's February sixth. Yet, yet I feel like I'm like, like you know what I mean? Like so, it's like I, I, I just What's the sum. It's the don't sum. Think it's because you're only focused on one thing. No, I know, but. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so it's, I just, I keep thinking to myself, it's like, as long as I continue just doing the things that I know that are going to make me improve, I just keep focusing on what I can control in that sense. It seems like the rest of it just settles itself. Yeah. Like it's, it seems like there's always going to be some fantasy of like, oh man, I was so disciplined at this one point or my mind was way less cluttered or whatever. Right. But it's like, was it really though? Because a year ago, I was fantasizing about the the previous version, yeah. and in that John, previous I version, had the same you know, thought. So I realized like, that okay, it's the same phenomenon as when you go from elementary school to junior high school to high school to college to university. Like every single time, you go to the next level and you look back and you're like, "Oh man, I was worried about that. I was worried about that exam. Yeah. I was worried about that test. Are you kidding me? Look at where I am now. Where I am now is way harder." Yeah, I remember being so stressed about my um my grade nine math exam because it was the first exam i had ever taken that was in a gym i was so stressed yeah so stressed like stress that i don't even think i've matched ever in running my business ever like i was i don't think you guys understand i was like beside myself i was almost in tears i was just like i do not want to do this exam i was being like such such a loser like i don't i don't know but loser is the right no, word no, but like no, no. a human yeah a human but i was just like living in my head it was unbelievable right and then <laughs> yeah, i get I to like and and then like you know even if you just fast forward like eight years later i'm like defending a master's thesis like oh just you know hey come on come on in to my presentation i, I don't care like let's look at you know like I'm I'm getting audited by these people who are all very specialized PhDs in this field and interrogating me and asking me these questions and I'm welcoming them and handling them and just like enjoying it. Cool, cool. And uh and and how does that exist? But in in between those two days in my life, every time I would go to the next level, it would be like, "Oh wow, now I'm taking my high school final math exam." I'm stressed about that. I look back at that math exam in grade nine. I'm like, that was actually quite easy. And now, you know, now I have this really hard exam and then I go to college. It's the same thing, John, it's the same thing with our business, right? Like I look back at mm. my year of running a business as a, as a rookie operator. And I would think to myself, Oh man, I didn't know how easy I had it back then, you know, like, uh, or, 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 you know, Hey, I was in better physical shape that year. You know, now I'm not this year. It's like, well, 
we're challenging ourselves in all these different ways, right? Like how, how um, dangerous do you think it is to look back in the past to look at the, achieve, at the achievements versus just the failures? Highly dangerous. Highly dangerous. Yeah. Because do you think you learn much from failure? I do. Personally, I believe I do. Oh, yeah. hundred percent, man. Of course. Yeah. I think it's the best teacher. Do you think so? Yeah, personal experience. Like your brain is just biased towards that. So yes. You'd learn more from your own failure than somebody else's who told you it in a story. Unless the story was 300 pages and beautifully written. I wonder though, because I mean, I, I sometimes I think about like, because okay, like cause I, I, in, in a lot of ways, like I think failure might be like romanticized at this point. What does that mean? I mean, like, it seems like, uh, well, here's, here's a quote that I just thought was so great. And I'm reading this Genghis Khan book and it, there's just so much, so many. Good Is it Genghis or Genghis? Maybe. It's actually Chingus. Are you sure? I'm absolutely, yeah, I just read the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely positive. No, but you didn't and listen to the Gen book. Genghis. No, 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 no. But the spelling of so Genghis is actually the Persian, like pronounce is actually this Persian spelling. The actual Mongolian spelling is actually spelled exactly Chinggis. Like it's not even. It's just. It's not even. Yeah, John. Uh, one of my buddies growing else. up thought that Hermione yeah. in Harry Potter was named Hermione because he'd only read the books. <laughs> so Hermione. So maybe oh, you're. Okay. Maybe you're. No, no, no. The actual pronunciation of. Genghis Khan, which is, or, or you know, I, is actually Chinggis. Yeah, Ching, Chinggis Khan. Yeah. Okay. So you're reading this book, and there's this quote about failure. What is it? Uh, man, I almost want to pull up the quote, but you know, the paraphrase of it is um, that the Mongolians don't believe in brave warriors; they only believe in brave winners. Yo, I, I, there's no, I, I started that one. There's no glory in fight. There's no glory in fighting. There's only glory in winning. See, I this I I, I started because I didn't know if I fully agreed or understood that because you can't. They're making the assumption that you can control for winning, which I don't know if that's possible. I think you can only control the inputs. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that helped me in my business and any business I've been in. Okay, here's the exact. I can't control if I book the job, it. but I can do everything that I know to do to club to try and book the job. No, no, fair, fair enough, fair enough, right? But but listen to the quote. I think it's it's I think it's I think it can coexist with what you're saying. Okay. The Mongols did not find honor in fighting. They found honor in winning. They had a single goal in every campaign, total victory. Okay, can you define honor? Should I just pull it up? I no no. I'm, let me give me a second. I'm not quite sad. I'm not. I'm not quite happy with this definition. But maybe the ability to be satisfied with oneself. Oh, like like fulfilled. One's yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Well, there's a, so many definitions of honor. But like, if I was to ask the author, That's what I mean. like, if I was I, to ask like, the author a question, high respect and great esteem. Yeah. I don't. So, are, are, so are, are they also saying that they don't respect the fighting? 
Yeah. So, the, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of definitions here. Like one of them is fulfilled, you know, keep an agreement, respect, regard. But I, I think that what I said is reasonably accurate in that case. In that case, I would stand by that actually. So, like, it's it's the ability to uh, to be satisfied with one's course of action. How can you? Okay. So, if I was to ask the author, I would ask him, what did they? What What is their perspective on fighting? Take take in mind that this is not like the, there's not like I just want to make sure because it sounds like there's you're almost putting this on two sides of it. This is just what the Mongolians believed, and I just I just thought that that was interesting that they believed that. There's not I'm not trying to argue one way or the other. I'm no, just, no, the I know, I know. I, I'm just yeah. being very inquisitive yeah. here because if they found honor okay. in winning, that's good. Yeah. What did they think yeah. about fighting though? Did they think fighting was a duty? That's so what I find interesting. There is a bit more. There is a bit more to the quote, which is interesting, and 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 it's certainly not necessarily you know, in line with what I would necessarily, yeah. But anyway, towards this end, it did not matter what tactics were used against the enemy or how the battles were fought or avoided being fought, which I find interesting because they actually were one of the few, they, they didn't believe in torture. So there, there's a lot of things that you would think when you read that, oh, like these guys were ruthless, but they actually, in a lot of ways were, they were ruthless in the way that they were very finite in defeating their enemies as in they didn't allow any loose ends, but they were actually very ethical in a lot, in a lot of other ways. So it's, it's, you know, but anyway, um, winning by clever deception or cruel trickery was still winning and carried to no, no stain on the bravery of the warriors. Since there would be plenty of other occasions for showing prowess on the field for the Mongol warrior, there was no such thing as an individual honor in battle. If the bottle, if the battle was lost as Genghis Khan reportedly said, there is no good in anything until it is finished. So it seems like they value finishing what you start effectively, right? And so, in, in I guess in another way of wording it is that there's no honor in leaving things half completed, right? And, and if you haven't won, then it's not completed, right? So yes, like you can, I, I think that you you would want to focus on the individual results and the individual tactics, but ultimately if it doesn't, it does, if it doesn't end with a win, then what honor is in that, right? the only the only way that the mongols believed in in that 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 the, the that the the job was done is if they won right which actually later when i do the whack versus what when we do the whack versus wise there's a quote that is an absolute killer that's on the same topic yeah i guess uh when you when you mentioned romanticizing failure i guess it's how you define failure i like the definition of failure is giving up i think to me that's failure I think anything else is just an obstacle. Yeah, I think failure is just when you give up. I, I was listening to a Mark uh, Anderson or An, it's one of those last names. I'm not gonna pronounce. Anyway, this Mark guy, okay, and he's a tech, a tech entrepreneur, and I thought it was very fascinating what he said. He's like, because there's this whole idea of failing fast that he was discussing and learning from your failures. And he just kind of cut through the bullshit. I thought so so crisply where he said, you know what, where I'm from, I mean, this actually might have been Chris Saka. This might have been Chris Saka, actually, who's on Dragon's Den. I might be confusing the two. But anyway, point being, he kind of cut through the bullshit so crisply. He said, you know what? Where I come from, we like winning. It's just That's just it. Most most people like, like cool. winning. Yeah, I know. But but I just thought it, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it landed harder for me than it did for you two. But I just thought that was so brilliant where it's like, yeah, man, like, why are we like, I, I get that. Like, okay, fine. We want to learn from our failures, but like do something with we it. We also talk about how like, we don't actually want to fail. Like, it's like, it seems like so many people are just like getting out there and they're just so like, we just fail right away. It's like, no, no. It's like, you could also just 
like you could also just try and win right from the day, yeah, right from day I, one. I agree with it you. Ha- it doesn't have. You know what I mean? Like I think that I think that failure is almost too much a part of the culture at this point. Like it's almost like yeah. like I'm not no, saying I, there's I no agree. room for failure, but it seems like the willingness to like, and that's why I say romanticized, right? Like if I if we if we look up the definition of romantic ro- romanticized, one second, romantic. It's like putting on a pedestal. Um deal with or describe in an idealized or unrealistic fashion. Make something seem better or more appealing than it really is, okay? That's exactly what I mean by romanticized, okay? Failure is not actually what you're aiming for, right? Like so many people are like always talking about learning from their failures. It's like, okay, sweet, have you won yet? Like, like everyone's talking about how they learn from their failures, but it's like, hey man, like I get that you've learned from your failures, but also like, can you show me your win? What if the win hasn't come yet? Like they're working on it. I know. So then that's why I mean by romanticize. It seems like so many people are like, it's like these, like, it's like, it's like, if you actually like, like, you know, being, you know, if, if Genghis Khan was in a room full of like, you know, entrepreneurs now, he'd be like, the fuck's going on here? Like none of you guys have won. <laughs> mm, okay. I see. Like, cool. You guys learned from your failures, but like, where's the win? Right. So it's like, it's not, the job's not done. Right. Like what are we doing here? Right. So, but then there's also the other side of the argument where Ray Dalio says pain plus reflection equals growth. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, you know, I'm not saying that there's no, yeah, but, he, but he never said failure. He said pain. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which I like because he, and I actually like that he said pain and not failure. Right. Like I like that. Yes. Right. But it seems like pain because failure can cause pain. And then if you reflect on it, you can learn, but it's also like, Hey man, like, you know, you could successfully have pain, you know, like you can have pain on the way up. You don't have Did to you like, like how Ryan holiday approached failure? And how did he approach failure? He had a whole like, section. You're talking about the obstacle is the way. No, he had a whole section on ego is the enemy. Run failure. You have to refresh my memory. Um. Okay. Give me a sec here. I guess your memory has to get refreshed too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I don't want to butcher this. Me neither. I have highlights on it. I'm I'm sure I could articulate what I think Ryan Holiday would say, but I don't I don't I don't know the context in the book. You got your Kindle, eh, Ammer? I do, yeah. I can now send quotes. I figured out how to do it. So I'm going to start sending quotes to you guys in the Patreon. So Nice. The double the power. Uh, let's see. Have you read uh, the new book, Obstacle is the Way, John? You mean courage is sorry. Uh, key or Sorry, whatever. sorry, sorry. Courage is... Yeah. I have, yeah. What did you think of it? Yeah. I didn't like okay. it. Why is that? I didn't necessarily dislike it, though. Okay, yeah, it just didn't hit as well as his other books. Yeah, it it didn't land for me, right? I'm not saying that it's a bad book. I just think that where I'm at in my life, it wasn't, mm. it wasn't, uh, it wasn't what I was. I just, it, it, you know, and I actually, to be honest, I was reading in a place where I actually thought I could be more courageous. So it wasn't. Um, gotcha. It wasn't that I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't value courage. I just, I didn't like the book in comparison to a lot of his others. I thought that the, uh, and, and this might, you know, me just be looking to it. It seemed like the book was rushed in a lot of ways. It seemed like the stories weren't quite as rich as they once were. Um, it seemed like he had too many stories on the go at one mm-hmm. point. So I, and so we didn't, we didn't dive as deep into them. So it was like, it, the book to me felt like I was jumping through a bunch of puddles and calling it swimming. Mm. It, it just, it wasn't very deep for me. Got and it. so I read about 66% of it and I gave up on it. Um, 
but I didn't dislike it. And I, and I think that for the right person, I think it would be the right book. It, it was not the right book at the right time for me. And I would return to it um, because I think Ryan deserves that. And I think that maybe at that time, it might be the book that I mm. want. Yeah. Courage is calling. Did you read it? That's what it's called. Yeah. So here, here's what I'm very much interested in, 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 in the rest of the series though. It's, it, you know, there's four yeah, books yeah. in the series. Still, the stillness is key. Yeah. Have you read that? I did. Yeah. I, that's the, I just, I just, it's right next to me. Actually, I have two copies next to me. Actually. Did you enjoy that much more? I enjoyed stillness and fascinating enough. Um, the, the part that I struggled the most with stillness is key, I think was the core premise, which was, well, there, okay. There's two, there's two main things I got out of the book. One, which is actually a quote that I almost remind myself every day, which is that, uh, motion is the foundation of stillness. Mm. That I am constantly reminded of that when I try and actually be still as in, I don't take action. Mm. That is when my life is most chaotic. However, when I'm in motion, I'm taking action mm. and I'm, Wow. But that's actually when I have the most Isn't stillness. That, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's so, so true. that's a powerful thing. It's and, evolutionary. And, the, and the most perfect, the most perfect analogy for this. And I don't know if this was Ryan that said this, but I heard this and it's brilliant. It might've been ritual. Mm. And, uh, which if you guys haven't heard of ritual, he's worth, he's worth looking into. Yeah. Uh, he's fascinating. But Eli, yeah, very, very, he had a, he had a, his, uh, his conversation his with Tim Ferriss. Oh, you listened to that? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, oh. yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, Yo, yeah. you hear about but anyway, okay, his, his yeah. alcoholism yeah. and how he dealt with that such yeah, a yeah, it's incredible. crazy, crazy. But hold on. So, so the perfect analogy for uh, motion is a foundation of stillness is riding a bike. So when you ride a bike and you're, and you're going at a good pace, you're just pedaling and it's not too much work and you're just kind of gliding along and the bike actually levels itself so you don't actually have to like actually balance really much because if you're moving quick mm. enough the bike just naturally is mm. going to go forward you don't have to lean right if you try and stand still on a bike without moving you're like constantly just jig jaggling back and yeah, forth yeah. trying to keep your balance yeah. and that's and that's the perfect analogy yeah i agree of yeah now the second thing in the in in, in stillness is key is the word enough mm. And I struggle with that. Mm -hmm. In in all four areas of your life, health, wealth, love, and happiness. No, just just in the wealth department. Was well, that a bad thing, or is it a bad thing? I I don't think it's a bad oh, thing. Okay, cool. I just it's it's it, when I say struggle, I just mean that it's something that I contemplate often. And I have in it, and it's unresolved. Mm, okay, I see. Like here's here's a sentence that that I think is worth pondering. Do you have your money, or does your money have you? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just to close that little segment about failure, here's what yeah. uh, he said. He said, "Oh, please, please, yeah." Both Graham and Walsh were do. What both Graham and Walsh were doing was adhering to a set of internal metrics that allowed them to evaluate and gauge their progress while everyone on the outside was too distracted by supposed signs of failure or weakness. This is what guides us through difficulty. Yeah, explain that one for me. So you might not get your first, first choice in college. Someone might outbid you for your dream house uh, or a job or estimate. 
it might happen tomorrow, it might happen 25 years from now. You can experience this for two minutes or 10 years. Everyone goes through this. W- what does it mean? It means that we will experience it as well. Uh, the future bears down upon each one of us with all the hazards of unknown. And he wraps it up saying, humble and strong people don't have the same trouble with these troubles that egoists do. There are fewer complaints and far less self-immolation. Instead, they're stoic, even cheerful, resilient. Pity isn't necessary. Their identity isn't threatened. They can get by without constant validation. This is what we're aspiring to, much more than mere success. What matters is that we can respond to what life throws at us and how we make it through. Yeah, I think that... I think he would agree with you. Yeah, I think I agree with him on, on most of what he said there. I mean, there's there's obviously a couple different points, but like the like Marcus Aurelius in, in the meditations, like there's this one line. It's just uh, just cheerfully laboring. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I think it might even be cheerfully labor laboring in like the cold wind or something like that. Like like just the point being is like just just cheerfully labor, right? So. But I mean, but specifically about the uh, failure standpoint, though, because I mean, I can agree with like, just, you know, just hunkering down and just get, you know, just doing your work, right. And just kind of getting on and that's the motion is stillness thing, right. Whereas it's like, sometimes the thought of doing the work, well, no, a lot, oftentimes the thought of doing the work is painful, but actually doing the work is enjoyable. So like, you have to almost like discredit your emotions, right. That way, like, and I, I really like, like on the, on the week of room, but it's just like commitment is doing the thing you said you were going to do long after the mood you said it in has left yeah. Oof. wow that's a good one right that's a good one and that's like that's on the bottom of like my little like tracker sheet and i just always remember mm. that because it's like when you're out marketing you mean yeah no sorry my weekly rhythm oh register. God. yeah 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 where i track like my behaviors yeah. and stuff like that um but nonetheless back to the failure thing uh um, can you repeat that quote i want to write yeah. that down Commitment is doing the thing you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. Yeah, I like that one. Commitment Say it again. is doing the thing. Yeah. Commitment is doing the thing you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. Ooh, the mood you set it in has left you. Yeah. Left you. And so, okay, so, so the, so the pain of thinking about how you have to call some leads or the pain that you have to, I don't know, you know, do, do something. Okay. Versus the actual reality of doing it. I mean, those are two different things. And so that's where like, that's why I think that's why resolve is a virtue. Yeah. Yeah. Resolve. Like, you know that's big in Japanese I mean? like, culture. Resolve, it's like it's like so. Yeah, huge. it makes sense, man. Like, resolve is. A, I mean, according to Benjamin Franklin, resolve is doing is knowing what you ought to do and sorry, knowing what you need to do and doing it when you ought to do it. I remember you sent an email about this. Yeah, and I like that. Right, um, I like that. Knowing what you need to do and doing it when you ought to do it. Right, so. 
because so many people, there's so much pain associated with the fact that they know that what they need to do, but they don't have the resolve to now do it when they ought to do it, right? And I think that's why that's a virtue is because there's pain associated to it, right? Um, there's, I, if you look at all the virtues, there's actually an overcoming of pain involved, I think, in almost all of them, like frugality. You know, the, there's like a, there's the initial pain of not you know, having your instant gratification. Honesty. A lot of times there's pain involved with having to tell the truth now and not take the easy like oh, yeah. lie, right? Discipline. Clearly there's pain involved in discipline, right? So if you just go, you know, courage, clearly there's some pain with having courage, right? So if you look at all of the virtues, uh, virtues there's an over, there's an overcoming of pain. Whereas if you look at the sin, like the vices or the sins, it's actually the opposite. It's, it's actually taking the instant, like, so foregoing pain for pleasure, but then, then later having pain, right? This was something I was thinking about last month, which is if I was to track my pain to pleasure ratio, like, what is it at? I think that'd be like an interesting yeah. thing to measure. Pain to pleasure? Yeah, your pain to pleasure ratio. And I found like the happiest I've been is when my pain has been higher than my pleasure when that set week, yeah. going through discomfort, yeah. having difficult conversations. Like this week, for example, I called somebody that I wanted to clean up something in the past with something happened two years ago. And I just made that phone call and I'm like cleaned up integrity, you know, kind of what you learn how to do in the forum. So I That's pain awesome. when pain is highest, you're happiest. Are you talking about like, cause okay, so here's, here's a question about happiness happiness on a day-to-day -day basis or happiness over like a like a like a, a certain set period of your time because i don't know if those two are the same i feel like happiness for me is like when i look in the mirror and i like smile i'm like you dirty dog you're a good man keep doing it <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's like that's how i define happiness i'm like i'm just happy with like who i Bro. am like like i respect that guy you know like you did it this week you crushed it to me that's that's happy yeah maybe yeah like, let's, let's I agree with more. Hammer, except for the dirty dog thing. <laughs> yeah. You dirty like you, dog. You son of a bitch. No, you I killed it this week. You know, like that's how I felt like after having that very difficult conversation. I had to like go take a shower because I was sweating so much mid-conversation. Mm. And I'm like, oh shit. Like, okay, like this is this is like, this was heavy stuff. Basically for context, if you guys are wondering, um, basically something happened at like a party that I went to two years ago where there was a girl who I felt like I left in a way that I don't like to leave people like feeling, you know? So I like called her up and I was just like, yo, I want to clean this up. And it's always like way scarier in your head than this. She's like, Oh my God, I haven't talked to you so long. This is so random. Oh my God. This is above and beyond. Totally. It wasn't as bad as you'd think. Uh, this is not how it landed at all. In fact, I found it fun. You were very nice. I'm like, this is crazy. Like we we truly okay, suffer in our imagination. Yeah. But 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 she did acknowledge like a couple of things that I did say that it was like you know we're obviously weren't cool. And she was just like so happy to to know that somebody like that. She she's in her words, it's so cool to know that people out there exist who have the balls to do what you do to just call and just apologize for something like that. And then once once mm, we got past that, we were just like caught up and she's like doing some cool stuff. She knows like some of my brothers. I know some of her sisters. Hey, you know, looking back, like it was funny. So it's like doing that and after- And there was pain. You're just, it's just, just an example of the pain that you overcame. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's an example of the pain that like this week that are like, you know, sweating. I'm like the ego is telling me like, bro, like there's no way like, like she remembers this. You're overhyping this in your head. But like I felt out of integrity with it, so but so I still had to do it because it was out of integrity. I just wanted to clean it up. 
So the mood wasn't there. And after I did it and like, she, she, you know, at the end of it, she's like, Hey, you know, like if something does come up, like, you know, hit me up, like, I'd love to go to a party or, you know, maybe, you know, it was like very, it was very amicable the way it ended. And it's like one less person in my life that I feel uh, that I've cleaned up with in the past, you know? And I, I was happy after that moment. That was a very happy rest of my day. I made a sale later that day, you know, because I was so happy on the call. I was so easy with objections. Like, I can't help that 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 played into it. Like, hey, you know, you're telling me you're scared of this and scared of that. Like, man, like, come on, like, we're scared of everything, mm. you know? Here, let me show you some logical things why this might make sense to you. And Yeah, I was, like, pretty happy that day, but I had to overcome a lot of that. And I feel like that's a virtue, like the virtue of, um, you know, integrity. You know, of having some sort of honor, mm. right? So, yeah, it was mm. pretty cool. I haven't done that in a while. And again, the ego was kind of creeping up like, oh, Amber, you're the master of restoring integrity. You know, you don't have to do this. And, you know, that's really you could do it. At, you, 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 you could do it at any time. You don't have to do it today. Hey, guys, Austin here. Just wanted to check in mid-episode and thank you so much for your ongoing listenership and commitment to the podcast. We have some of the most enormously positive data with regards to how long our listeners listen to episodes for, meaning we can tell the vast majority of our listeners listen right from the first to the last second of the recording, which in the world of podcasting is just completely unheard of. So we wanted to just stop in here mid-episode and say, thank you for being you. You guys are absolutely awesome. Because of this overwhelmingly positive data over the last two years, we decided it would be a great idea for both us and our listeners to launch a Patreon. A Patreon is essentially a platform that you can subscribe to to get more connected with myself, John and Ammer, and the podcast as a whole. So whether you're a massive fan of the podcast and want to get direct individual coaching from myself, Ammer, or John, or want to just have early access to episodes and chip in a few dollars a month to help us take this podcast to the next level, bring on more guests and provide more value, there are tiers that are built for you, I can guarantee it. If you wanted to look into Patreon, get more information about how you could gain more value through the podcast and really augment your listening experience, you can check out our link in our Instagram at the weekly call pod on Instagram, or simply press pause on this episode, go into the show notes, click the Patreon link and check out more details about the tiers we have available there. Thanks so much guys. And thank you so much for continuing to listening to the weekly call podcast. Now back to the episode. I find it interesting about restoring You're the master of restoring integrity. You think that <laughs> you don't just want to be bad at it. I know. Because dude, I stumbled, like I stumbled that like, phone call impressively. It was crazy. And it went, and it went, and it went, and it went beautifully. Amber, what I meant by, yeah. Amber, what I meant by not wanting to be good at restoring integrity, that'd be like, that'd be like good at cleaning up spilt milk. Oh, he's saying you shouldn't have to be given the opportunity to restore integrity. If you're really good at restoring integrity, it's like, Oh, for sure. Really... Just remove the dirt from the source. I guess. Yeah. 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 That'd be like, that'd be like someone's like, dude, I'm really good at fix, <laughs> like fixing broken vases after breaking them. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> stop dropping. Just stop dropping. Like that's like the, that's but like, here's the thing. That's like, yeah. this is one thing I actually learned from Audrey, which is like, I asked her what that goes to show that humans will find anything to be proud of themselves with. <laughs> No, for sure, for sure, but... <laughs> no, John, I think he actually <laughs> has a point, but I get what you're saying. 
No, I get it. I get it. We all like if you look deep, like very deep, you will find areas of anyone's life that they're lacking integrity. It just depends how 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 deep you're willing to look. Yeah, I I I I remember asking who I thought was you know still I think is one of the most integrous people. I was like Audrey is like is the goal to be like at a hundred percent integrity because I always feel like I'm stuck at like ninety or eighty percent integrity. And she's like she laughed and she's like oh Amber I think you have the wrong perspective on this. The more you do in life, the more you will be out of integrity. Mm. You're always going to be overstretching yourself. Always commitments to your loved ones, your family, to your business. Mm. There's going to be so much. It's inevitable. It'd be silly to try to live your life in integrity. Because if you lived your life in 100% integrity means you're doing everything in a very comfortable way. And the most impressive people in the world are never comfortable doing important Mm. things. So... Mm. That's how she told me about integrity. It's like, you know, getting good at restoring integrity quickly and efficiently is is a good thing because you can just move on to what's important. And part of restoring integrity, by the way, is setting a structure in the future so it doesn't repeat itself. Right? But this but there's so many areas. One structure can't fix everything. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So that's where I may I may disagree with removing this this the source of the dirt, if it's coming from the same place, like if I have to restore integrity just, yeah, over just, and over about like maybe being late for something, like uh, having dinner with this one person, I'm always late for them. Okay, that's a problem. But if I'm just late for different things and, and or if I... No, yeah. I get it, man. I, I'm just, I'm just, I was more or less just teasing. Yeah, no, that's fair play. Um, but that was, that was a cool experience this week. I was happy to, happy to go through. And I invite you guys to maybe take on. Think... And and I'll ask you this. This is kind of. I just want to ask you. Like right now, can you think of somebody who do you want to who who you feel like you should make a phone call to? Because I had this conversation on Wednesday with my friend James, and and he gave an answer, and I gave my answer of the of, of the girl, and then we just both committed to doing it. Do you guys have somebody that you should probably make a phone call to? Let me to maybe restore. That. If I thought hard really enough, possibly, but I'll be honest. In the fifteen, you know, in the, in the five, ten seconds that I've been thinking about it, I'm pretty satisfied. That's pretty cool. When I did landmark, I yeah. made a few of those calls, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you had asked me a few years ago, there was definitely some unresolved yeah. calls. But I um, is there anything that happened in the last year specifically? Because um, for me, it was like the past two years, was like after I did landmarks, right? You know, no, like that's I, awesome. I, you know what? Because I, I, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I don't have any calls. That mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that maybe so, you know someone could maybe be like, what, what about this person? I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, I can maybe call that. Person. What about like an but, employee but, but or no, a client? There's no obvious. No, there's no obvious. No, uh, no there's no obvious. Cool calls. Yeah, there's no obvious no. calls. On but my dad definitely was an obvious call a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that that was the obvious one for me. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I forget how crazy that was that like we Dude, I know. we knew you very well at a time in your life where you were like, Yeah, I'm never fucking talking to my dad ever again. Did I was was that actually my stance? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was uh, in our original behind like the you scenes you audio only John, phone calls. you obviously didn't say it like that. You were just like, Yeah, I just don't have an interest in talking to him. Yeah, it's like I don't see it being a productive. But no, activity. but I'm actually. But hold on, just to clarify, I'm actually like still in that. Like I'm like I'm at that stage. No, where like, I know what you mean. Like there is. I know. You know what I mean? Like I'm not. John, there's a very there's yeah, no but there's a very big difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was definitely some things that I, that I like. Okay, put it this way. 
prior in in the past, I would say that there was things that I wanted to say to my father, but I wasn't willing to say them yes. to him. But at the same time, I also didn't want to have a relationship yes. with him. Now, there's nothing I want to say to my father, but I also don't. Want to call <laughs> yeah, him no, that, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to have yeah, a relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's whole yeah. and complete. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I actually think that our relationship is exact. And when you have <laughs> and when you have little yeah. Cornelius running around, you're going to break the John Morgan the third. There will be no longer the fourth. Right. That's going to end for sure there was it was interesting when i was talking about uh, oh, what you just said that reminded but i never thought about that but that i'm gonna break the fourth yeah i might i might have a john morgan the fourth the, the thing is is that i would only ha- i would only name see it's it's a tough one because if you have like if i had a daughter and then only a son i probably would name him john morgan the fourth mm. But if I had a if I had if I had a son and it was my first child, I'd probably name him Cornelius. <laughs> Yo, I still love the fact that you're gonna name your son Cornelius. It is so Cornelius sick. Lewis Morgan. Dude, you better teach him some Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu because going through high school and middle school, he's gonna get <laughs> yeah. so teased about his name. Look, look, look it's a little corny with the basketball over there. A little corny. corny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll keep an eye on it. I mean, like. You know, it, it seems like getting bullied a little bit. It's not too, it's not too, it's actually like probably pretty good for you. Yeah. Um, too much bullying will probably lead to Machiavelli, like a high yeah. Machiavellianism. Yeah. So like, you you know, you got to keep an eye on that, but like a little bit of bullying. No, man, I knew some kids with crazy names growing up. And as long as they're like, you know, okay. And like, they have a good sense of humor. They're a good character. Yeah. If you have a good sense of humor about it, then it kind of just, is, it just dissolves the situation. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. That's jokes. <laughs> corny um <laughs> Amber, you would have bullied oh him. actually oh, look i wanted to I wanted to, look at I, I, I wanted to do something i wanted yes, to, a little, little side tangent here okay Amber mm-hmm. or austin i mean but I, I just feel like Amber might be a little bit better explain it yeah, what's all. up Amber? explain instagram to me as if i was someone who had never heard of the internet <laughs> oh never heard of the internet Oh, well, man. maybe I've heard of the internet, but I've never heard of social media. Okay. I've in, like, deleted Instagram. I'm like an for like week. I'm like maybe an 80-year-old oh, grandmother too. who's nice. like Yeah. I'm an 80-year-old grandmother who's like, "What's uh what's Instagram? What's what's this Insta chat thing?" Like explain that to me, okay? Like, uh, explain I, Instagram to me. Well, but, as if I'm just a total Yeah, but hold on, hold on. No, nothing. I I I don't want to yet because I just want to know the goal of of what this no, is. No, 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 no. You can't. Because know. because I've seen John on LinkedIn and I, I don't want you to get Instagram is basically what I want to say. Uh, just to clarify, I'm absolutely not getting okay, Instagram. Perfect. Okay, cool. And hold on. What, what was, what was, I, I, I posted, uh, Austin, just, you know, I posted my first comment on a social media post on Instagram or on LinkedIn. And like in my, in the first time in like maybe five years without it being like, gonna, like a generic, like congrats on someone's thing. And I don't think, I don't think Amber liked it. It wasn't a congrats. No, 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 no. That one was not a congrats. No, no. I'm saying other than like you know, like you know how like when on LinkedIn, like when you so like if someone like has like a work anniversary, and you can just click the auto generate. Sure. Congrats, yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know? this is the first time I typed a comment. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, who yeah, says yeah, I didn't yeah, like yeah. that? I think that was that was very well put. I didn't like that that oh, okay. John Morgan, my friend, was on LinkedIn. That's what I didn't like. I didn't. I, I didn't. I yeah, definitely did I mean, not I, like that. Because I just know who you are and what you're capable of, and 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 to me that felt like a loss on my end. I felt like, oh man, like maybe, oh, interesting, maybe maybe interesting. I should have done a. I actually, I actually, I check LinkedIn, um, and I do it, 
actually it's quite simple i check linkedin for i would say approximately 15 minutes every month why because i like to just get a very i like to get a very quick overview of what i like i think linkedin does a reasonable job of giving me a a, a reasonable impression of what the business landscape looks like oh i see what you mean okay like what like what are people consuming you know what what are like you know what's the general mood of the business community right like what are people why focusing is that on? Important like right now for, you? for example um, I think it gives me an idea of where, what I should be focusing on to some degree, maybe, because like, I'll give you an example. Like you go on LinkedIn for 15 minutes, once a month, it's like this month it was recruiting. People were talking about recruiting. They were talking about employees. I'm like, okay, interesting. So like, I'll, I'll, so, you know, like, whereas like, you know, maybe like, um, like in the summer you might be going through and it might be like something else. Right. Like, so I just, I like, and I also like, I like to see like, yeah, just what's the general mood of the business community? And I feel like LinkedIn's probably my best bet at that. I just do a quick 15 minute scroll and I just kind of take a quick peek at just what's going on. Mm, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. What are people talking about? What ideas are out cool, there? Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a very quick operation. But anyway, so that I'm not getting Instagram. Okay, good. Yeah. I delete Instagram. If you're listening to this and you DM me asking me a question, just message me I'm on not, Facebook. I'm not. This is, there's no end goal about Instagram, but I just wanted to just have you explain Instagram to me as if I didn't know, like, I mean, you know, so like you can give me some prior knowledge, sure. but what I'm trying to get at is explain Instagram as if I didn't know about Instagram. Sure. At sure. All. Okay. So Instagram yeah. is this, uh, visual image. It's this on, it's this online image board. So, you know, you have you ever walked by university and you can put up like whatever you want on an image board? Yeah. Like a bulletin Yeah. Like board. you're in the highway you're on the hallway and you're walking by. So it's just like that in the internet. And most people, there's like this trend. You, you can do whatever you want on there. You can post whatever you want. But there's this trend of people posting. Um, a, do people just post on top of one another? You, you can't, no. You can just post like around them. So you, you have the space on the board. Well, how much space is there on this, on this, on this bulletin? As board? far as you can walk. The longer you walk, the more you can see. Mm-hmm. Damn. And so you, you so you can't put your stuff on top of someone else's stuff, but you can put it next. Exactly, to Exactly, yeah, you can put it next to it. And most of the, the the trend is that most people like to post stuff that makes them look good. And that's it. And that's Instagram. And you depending on who's it, posting, that's how you explain it. huh? Also, what do you think of that? If multiple people walk down this hallway and all look at the same thing, then that one thing gets promoted. To being viewed more frequently it's difficult right because you know there's a lot of incompleteness to that because like you know what about the like feature what about reels what about stories what That's about you know DMs. dming well i'm just saying i know it's i know it's complicated but i'm saying it's like it's instagram's oh, a difficult no. thing to explain you know yo you're lagging like how do you explain it mr. all mr lag oh. yeah you're lagging lagging wagon yeah i think uh I think Trisha might be on YouTube looking up how to escape. <laughs> <laughs> She's prepping. How to escape my how crazy to... <laughs> boyfriend who calls me Bowser all the time. <laughs> yeah, how to assemble a homemade shotgun <laughs> using nothing but a can of beans and some paper clips. How to poison my boyfriend's kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, you're, you're you back you guys can't yeah. hear me at all can you oh okay no we um, can yeah instagram's a difficult thing to explain the, okay the the reason why 
I brought this up <laughs> was because I had a really interesting experience on Friday night with Matt Lang and Tristan Martin. Yo, yo, let's hear it. Yeah, let's hear it. Matt just said to me, hey, John, when's the last time you've been on Instagram? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, like I, I couldn't remember, right? He said, do you want to just like quickly look at mine? He's like, I just want, I just want, I want to like see your reaction. <laughs> okay. Yeah, cool. So he, so he gave me his phone and he just opened it up and I just, I, you know, I was holding his phone in, in my hand and I just, you know, started the first photo and I just went one at a time and I just went through and I maybe got, I don't know, maybe six or seven images deep and it was too much for me. What was too much? Dude. The, the 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 emotions and the sensations was way too dopamine. much for my, for my, like, for my mind. dude. <laughs> you know, way can you too describe much. what you mean by that, dude? Though? Dopamine. Like, I'll, so like, here's so I'll explain what I saw, <laughs> and then I'll explain how I felt about it. It was in it was insane. It was like it was like it was like having like a it was like smoking a joint for the first time in like five years. That's the that's the that's the that's like the easiest wow. way to explain it. Like I. I felt like my tolerance for that was so, I was so, un, my mind was unprepared for that. It felt like someone had like, like hot boxed me in a bedroom for like 10 years. Like I was so high. Like it was just, my mind was like, what the fuck? Like it was too much for my eyes. Okay. And it was just, it was just basic things. Right. You know, like the, I think the first photo was like, just like some, some generic looking blonde lady in like, sort of like a, like a corner unit loft kind of like doing like this really like uncomfortable kind of dude what's blowing what's blowing my brain is that you can remember these posts like she was like you know like yeah 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 yeah. this or whatever you know and she kind of like it it was like it it kind of looked like it was it was honestly it was it was the most bizarre i'd never seen someone like so crumpled up in what was she wearing it was like um i think she was wearing like a like a white checkered shirt with like um like kind of like just like blue jeans on like just kind of oh jeans, you know? i know like what you mean hair. it's that sorority sit it's yeah. the sorority sit no, no it was kind of like a it was kind of it was kind of like i don't know it was, it, was just, it was interesting it was it was like it was like it was like maybe she had cerebral palsy but also maybe like she fell into the chair and her friend called, i don't know it was just kind of a weird image but but then the caption mean, was kind of in the mood to get out of this country <laughs> And I was like, that's kind of a strange caption. In the mood. And then I looked at where, where she was posting it from and it was Mexico city, Mexico. And I was like, I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Like she's in like a corrupt country. Like she just wants to get out of this country. Right. But it's like, I was just like kind of a weird way to like make that post. Like if you want, like, like I know a lot of people that want to get out of Mexico right now. Cause it's like, it's, you know, it's just not a good place to be, but like what a weird photo to like state that. No. So the way it works, John, is you, you post a photo of you looking good. And then you post a caption that gets a reaction or incites humor. So it's, she, there's two different <laughs> games being played. It actually sounds so ridiculous when you say it out loud. Yeah, it is. But that is no, that no, is Amber, I think that no, Amber, I think that no, Amber, I think that she literally just is in Mexico and she doesn't want to be in the country anymore because it's corrupt. No, no, no. She's saying that like because it's, not, it's, it's not cool to, to say that now. Everybody just wants to leave. That's like what people are saying. So that's a statement that she can. That's her sales letter. Think of it as like her headline to get more likes or comments. Mm-hmm. For that photo. Okay. Because there's another game that's being played on top of it, which is like you want that post to have a lot of interactions. So if there's a guy that she matches with who maybe fancies her and is going through her profile, he can see that post to see her, not the caption. 
It's there's there's Fair games, enough. man. And yeah. I to be honest, now that I come to think of I think I only got four or five foot photos in deep. It wasn't even seven. Because I you know, but either way, the second the second um the second thing was a video and it was it was pretty cool, but it was like, okay, whoa. It was a hummingbird like eating out of a <laughs> eating out of a uh a flower? Like just like a, like up close. Yeah, like out of a flower thing. I was like, that's pretty cool. Cool. Okay, yeah. that's sweet. The third photo was just like honestly like was heartbreaking like it was so sad it was this father it was this father who was posting like it was like a twitter it was like a twitter screen like, grab. It was a screenshot of it was a screenshot of a twitter tweet a, a, of a tweeter or no a tweet yeah and <laughs> and um <laughs> i probably sound like such a jackass right now but either way and um you love it and what what the what the twitter sentence said was uh it was like talking about like how he was being misrepresented and 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 by the media about his children and and how they were being taken away from him and 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 then in the in the caption it was like like hey like you guys need to like start reporting the truth like my my kids are being taken away from them i want to have a relationship with my kids i want to have a say with them and it's like in all caps it's like this father like it's like what like 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 yeah 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 when did that where did that come from it's just like this father just like out here just like like talk like it's like it's like this is a child custody battle and it's on Twitter. He, like this is like this is Instagram. Yeah, the guy, the father's name was Kanye West. Oh, oh, come on, man! Why you gotta do it like that? Oh, now I want to like, check this so tweet. Sad. Oh my god! No, it's so sad. What do you though? mean they're it's taking like, man, Kanye's like, kids? Dude, I just like it was just it was just sad. I'm like, man, this is a father who's going through a child custody battle. I want to look this up so bad. Like, man, I want to look this up so bad. Right? I'm just like, damn, brother. I'm like, I don't want to, you know, like, like where did that come from? Right? So now it's like I went from like kind of being like kind of confused by this one chick to like it's kind of a cool little hummingbird to like, oh wow, my heart's just broken, man. Like, cause I've been there, you know, like I've seen that, man. Like I'm like, damn, brother. And then the fourth was uh was a video sort of edit of like this guy like in bed sleeping and then it was like this like 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 a like it like like drew like a little bubble like a little like a uh, like dreaming bubble and then it had put the caption of a you know like the emoji of a bed and then a dude on the bed and then a chick in front of it and then she, and then it enlarged the chick to make it look like the the guy emoji was banging the female emoji on the bed so it it's like basically it was like this guy was dreaming about emoji sex which is super strange okay, cool interesting yeah which you know took and it, it was it was actually a it was actually a screen share of a tick chat video stop 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 you know exactly so what was the <laughs> argument about okay i get it instagram's crazy but here's i the agree with one. you the, the fifth the fifth video or the fifth photo was this chick who was like you know, like that, like, you know, like you can't really see him from here, but anyway, she had, she, all she had was a thong on and it was like the first photo was like from the front and it was like her like doing like this weird stance where like her leg, like her like leg gap between her legs was like super wide. And then it was the second photo was literally just her ass. Like it was, it was effectively like, dude, like when you were in high school and you're like, this was like, this was a photo that would maybe happen once a year. Like your buddy might get like a grade A nude. And you would be like, dude, like, let me see that again, you know, like, and he like, like, it was like, one, maybe one of your friends in high school would have got this photo one time. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, like, unless you went to a porn website, there was like your dude, your friend might have got one of like one of your friends might have got one of these photos once mm. a year. 
that's how rare this photo was. And I was like, wow, this is just available. <laughs> like, this is just here. Yeah, in your face. You know? Yeah, and then there was another. Okay, but point being though, okay. Um, Did you watch my video, by the way, on YouTube? The, 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 the thing I sent you? Did you end up finishing it or nah? I did, yeah. I really liked you it. You liked it. Thank you. Yeah. I realized that I basically live my life that way, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what you were describing is a dopamine detox, is what like, you do constantly. Detox. Which explains your behavior. Plus or minus a little bit. Plus or minus a little How many, bit. I mean, there was a few what was your score? What that, was your score I, out of 56? Uh, I think it was like four. Damn. Yeah. Or five. Yeah. 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 Because it was like, I, um, yeah, I forget what they were, but anyway, it was like four or five or something gotcha. like that. I think, it's I think like there was like, and, I think and, it was like, there was one, there was one that was subjective. Sure. There was one that was subjective of like what you meant by it, but like, or like how much I, like, this is the usage is so low that I was like, I don't know if that really counts, but anyway, it was like four or six. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like my, my percentage chance was, uh, was, uh, 11%. That's cool. Yeah. But either way, uh, I'm glad you liked it, man. Thank you. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed and ex- it. And, and, and Were you inspired by um, Alex Becker at all? Oh, 100%. I was not inspired by him specifically. Well, he inspired me to research the topic, but the resources that I pulled from is the original source that he pulled from. Because I was going to let you know. So I watched the Alex Becker version of your of your talk, and I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like his. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I feel like it fell yeah, short so, a couple places. Hey, Alex? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I didn't like the opening. It kind of threw me off. Maybe I maybe I just didn't get his humor. But anyway, yours was excellent. Like it was really well delivered. Like I I was engaged. Like, you know, the, the first time I tried watching it, I thought it was gonna be your four minute YouTube ad, not like oh, the fourteen yeah, minute yeah, yeah. video. So I just wasn't prepared. But I did get twelve minutes in before I was like, "Fuck, I gotta go." That's crazy. But I came back and watched the rest of it. I really enjoyed. I actually really liked the. Um, I really liked the pyramid where you were just total up your points. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, thank you. Again, not very scientific, but I, I oh, liked of course, that, yeah. that part of it. Yeah. Was that where did you get that from? Uh Toastmasters. Did- any part of an excellent speech gets the audience engaged fully. No, no, no. But the pyramid thing, did you invent that yourself? I literally created it in my mind, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Was the total score fifty four? Like if you added up every single thing. Fifty four or fifty six, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because you had to divide by 54. Yeah. There was that one time, John, I was at like 49, 48. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, but point back to this Instagram. But it but explains okay. like the reason I brought that up is because your reaction to Instagram it like kind of fits my hypothesis. It was so it was surreal. Yeah. It was surreal. And uh and, and it was funny because so okay, so then Matt Matt are you guys interested in this by the way? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. What happened next? So um well Matt explained Matt was like then gave his feedback. He's like, dude, I've never fucking seen someone look at Instagram that way. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you looked at five photos in like ten minutes. Like, you know, like like he's like he's like, that was the fucking weirdest thing ever. Like he's like, you looked at every photo you read the caption, like you analyzed it, then moved on. He's like, what? Like that was fucking like, that was bizarre. Right. And he's also like, cause I was explaining what I was like, I was talking through the, like what I was going through, like as I was scrolling through. So I wasn't just like sitting silently scrolling. I explained it. He's like, you felt every emotion. Like when you saw the ass, you were like, whoa, like this is super engaging. Like this is super, like this is a huge ass. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> when I saw the hummingbird, I'm like, look at this bird. It's incredible, right? When I saw the father, no, it was, it was, a, it was a fantastic, it was a, it was a, it was a great ass, right? Great. You know? Let's, let's, let's and, dive into that. 
Well, yo, what's her ad though? <laughs> I don't matter. No, I know. It was like joking. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Tell, like pink, tell me. Don't like tell pink, me. She had like pink hair. Either way, um, where does Tristan come into this? No, no, hold on. Go back. Um, oh yeah, the father thing. I was just blown away by like the Kanye West thing. I was like, that's so heartbreaking. Like I was like, damn, brother, you know. But it was just Matt was just very interested in the fact that like I felt every single emotion. It was a surreal experience for me. Like it was, it was, it was a lot to take in. You know, like it was, it was. I had to put the phone down. Like that's you know, give that back to you. Like kind of thing. Like take that away. Like I can't do. I can't take any more. Like I can't hit any more of that, man. I'm already too high. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It was like that, right? It was like, dude, I don't need any more beer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, where's Tristan coming? Yeah, and then and then we just that was no the Tristan doesn't really come into it. Tristan was just kind of we I mean we went on we had a we had a great conversation about why I thought it was such a brilliant like brilliant thing because I was I was talking about like the difference between that and tobacco and how Instagram is a way better product than tobacco like from a business standpoint because I'm like okay how many people do you know because like okay so tobacco is similar so like when you like so you the first cigarette you smoke it's like holy shit like you you know your like your brain is like the head rush is surreal I mean. I, I still remember my first cigarette. It was like, oh, you know, like I had to like sit back. Like it felt like I was going to pass out, but in the best way possible. I don't know. And then, you know, you get every once in a while, you get that head rush when you smoke cigarettes, right? And, um, but, but anyway, point being, you, your tolerance would go up. So you'd smoke more and more and you relied on it more and more. And then next thing you know, it was like, it was just, be, it became a part of your life. Like, as in like, you know, if you're just, Every time I got in a car, like, I don't know if you guys know this, every single time I got in a car, I'd smoke. I actually used to measure basically like how far something was by how many cigarettes I could fit in. Yo, that's awesome. Like, like so Vernon was like four cigarettes away. That's dope. <laughs> that is hilarious. What is that, 20 minutes? 40, 45 Jeez, minutes. Jeez, man, 10 minutes a cigarette. Yeah, man. Well, I used to smoke a pack a day, right? But okay, but hold on. I said to I said to I said to Matt and Tristan, I said, how many guy, how many people do you know? Like, not not no, no personally, but just how how many people have you heard that smoke three packs a day? <laughs> Zero. Basically none, right? Yeah, basically none. How many people scroll like, three well, hours a day heard? on Instagram? How many people do you know that smoke two packs a day? It's like you know what? I've actually heard of like one or two people. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like it's pretty rare, but like one or two pack a day. It's like okay, yeah, like a lot of smokers get to the pack a day mark. Right. But that seems to be like the threshold is in like, and the reason why is because when you smoke cigarettes, it's like it, 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 like one, it gives you cancer eventually, but two, like your throat actually gets sore. Like it's, it actually like really harms you in a lot of ways that you, it actually prevents you from smoking more in a lot of ways. Like you just, you can't physically fucking get another cigarette <laughs> in your mouth. Right. But it's also like, it also is, it's also like a, t- smoking a cigarette is like a five to 15 minute thing, depending on, you know, wh- you know, wh- what you're doing. Right. So it's like, you can only, and it's also like a, you have to go outside. Like you can't fit it in at all. Like you can't fit in a cigarette. Like you can't just like casually light a cigarette in the hallway. Mm. You know? Or as Instagram, you can you fit know? it in you on the couch and Yeah, you can't bathroom. light a cigarette when you're on the toilet. Like you, you can only do a cigarette in certain spots and like, you know, you can't scroll randomly or so you can't smoke randomly. You have to, right. So I, I was basically just mentioning how amazing of a business model, the Instagram, how uh, the, the Instagram is for that reason that, you know, that it's, it's hyper addictive and because it's just so much dopamine that's just hitting you. Right. But then it's like, you get numb to it. Right. So it's like similar to cigarettes. You need more and more of it. But the thing is you, because you need more and more of it, you can also fit it in anywhere you want. Like it's, you know? Yeah. Okay. So I just thought it was a good business model. Oh, it's genius. Genius. 
Want to do Wack versus Wise? Austin's got to go to bed. Austin, we're actually inventing a new segment called Good Good Night Austin. Good Night Austin. It's called Good Night Austin. We have a a <laughs> commitment for I, I I need eight hours of sleep, and so um, I actually started this new fifty day challenge. I didn't talk about it on this podcast with you guys. I kind of forgot to mention it to you, but it's um, a workout a day uh, for fifty days. So it's like a crossfit slash i guess you could call it like a hit workout high intensity workout uh one a day yeah for i know 50 hit. days and uh along with a few other things that i'm adding on to it uh like a reading quota and you know drinking uh one hour of social media per week so i i only check it once per week i download the app once per week check it a lot of stuff what inspired you for that um it was the dopamine cleanse or the whatever you called it dopamine detox uh, detox the double d um yeah i think the the thing i would have liked to couple with that is the physical fitness part of it because i found like the less i was rewarding myself dopamine wise i the more i wanted to still expend my energy so which I is working see, out. I know it's yeah, crazy. Like your brain starts want, like figuring stuff yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my my interactions on Snapchat and like Instagram, I replace with just talking more with my customers because I just have more time to exactly. talk. Exactly. It's crazy. It's like crazy. So the easiest way for me to do this consistently, regardless of how busy I am, given that well, I'm doing a lot of things right now, but days of the week also change. So I'm just doing it every day at 6 a.m. Um, so I have to, in order to get to the gym in time, I have to get up at five. So, Jeez. so now I'm here at nine 30, which means I got a good seven and a half hours of sleep before I wake up. So there, there will be a good night Austin segment for the next couple of weeks. Hey man, um, we're cool with that. Our life yeah, changes. Of course, of course. Well, Hey, no, you guys are supporting me. And, and so are I wonder, our I wonder in like 10 years, if we're gonna have to create another segment of like good, good, good night, like baby cornelius he's like, crying. <laughs> he's like crying in the background you know and yeah. it's like oh trisha's like babies in the background now recording that damn podcast help me out with cornelius <laughs> yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be very no, interesting that will not happen. <laughs> oh dude mark the calendars you have no idea yeah yeah no no the, the, the trisha yelling can you get yeah, that one out? yeah um, oh. all right guys see you next week I right, see you, awesome, man. Good night, yeah. Rydell franchise. <laughs> yeah, his name's Rydell franchise. All right, let me show you this song. Um, yeah, what's up? Well, hold on. Can we actually, like, do you have to go, like, right away or no? Um, I do not. I am, I am, I'm just can hungry. We, can, can we actually continue to rift on this Instagram? On this Instagram well, to, to me, like, personally, like, what, like, what is, like, I feel like we're on the same page here. Like, what is. No, 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 no. Sorry. Well, no, there was a, I actually, so I, I, I wanted to let you know, I actually bought. Oh, meta platforms stock stock, dude, totally. Yeah. Makes sense. How much did you buy? What's their stock at? Well, so, so far I, I, so far I've only just bought $10,000 worth, but on Monday I'm buying 30,000 more. Whoa. Not shares. That would be, that would be nuts, but 30,000. So my, my total position will be roughly 40 grand, 40 grand in meta. Meta platforms, meta platforms. I see them. Yeah. They, they took a nice dip too. Whoa, that's dude, it why, crashed. Yeah. What happened? That's why. Yeah. 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 So I was looking at this company. Um, Dude. I was looking at I was looking at Meta when they actually kind of changed their name. I thought because I, I was like mm, that's kind of interesting. Like I, you know, it got my attention enough that I started like looking into the company. Because so I might sneeze here. No, you're good, bro. <laughs> I'm just looking at these uh, um, these stocks here. What's going on? 
I um so okay so so I I, I had like just in general Jesus. just sort of I so in general I just sort of put the all of the top tech stocks like in in a too hard category of like I probably couldn't understand yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But I also put them in a category of they all seem to be ge- generally overvalued. So I was like I'm just gonna look elsewhere, right? But then when Facebook changed their name to Meta Platforms, it got my attention. So I like was like oh let me just look into this company. And then I found out that they're actually highly fucking profitable. I mean, like Dude. ridiculously Dude. profitable. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculously profitable. Like in, in a free cash flow printing machine. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. Like, okay, like I, I can understand this, right? Like, um, and so I got to know their business model more. And of course it's it's 99% of the revenue is effectively coming from advertisers. From uh from tar- well, most specifically though, targeted advertising. That's the key there. It's all targeted. targeted aspect. No, I, I know, but it, but it, but it's important to understand the targeted nature of their advertising. Well, I use it because beyond that, I, I yes, but beyond, but if it wasn't targeted, it effectively would just be an online billboard platform. Mm. So there's a big difference, okay? Because it's it's not an because because a lot of times because I had always thought, oh, it's just an online billboard, but now I'm realizing, no, 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 it's not an online billboard. It's totally different than that. It's a, it's a, it's a better thing. It's better than a billboard, right? Because I was like, ah, billboards, come on, like there's always another billboard, right? It's not nah, as different though. Um, because of the data collection, but this, so this, this, but so I was looking into it and it's like, okay, it seemed like it was like reasonably priced given how much it might grow into the future. Right. Um, but I ultimately didn't believe there was enough margin of safety in the fall when I was looking at this. And so I passed on it. Then, uh, last week they had an earnings call and I had it, I had it, but I liked the business so much that I kept it on my watch list because sometimes I look at businesses and I'm like, mm, you know what, too expensive. But like I, if the, at the right price, I would want to own this business. You know, like there's a lot of businesses like that, right? Where I'm like, fuck, I wish, you know, like Costco would love to own Costco too fucking expensive. So it's just, but it, it's on my watch list. Anyway, I went to my watch list and I woke up in the morning and I saw that it had dropped 27% overnight. Yeah. Like, 230 okay. billion disappeared. Something like that, yeah, a lot. It was actually supposedly it was the largest from a from a market capitalization standpoint. It was the most that one company has ever dropped in one day in in in, in all of history. Sure about that? From a market capitalization standpoint, not percentage wise. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Businesses have dropped more. It's it's no business has ever lost more market cap in one day. Hey, that's pretty cool, man. Wow. Yeah. Biggest wipeout so, in history. Bloomberg.com. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. I don't know if that's adjusted for inflation, though. I'll be honest. But point being, though, it's a quarter um, trillion dollars. By the way, it's two fifty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we're talking like no. So this is the crazy one. Uh, I think it was like only like only forty businesses of the S and P five hundred are worth more than forty billion or something like Bruh. that. I forget what it was. I don't. That doesn't that doesn't sound right to me. Well, I think uh, isn't Uber maybe it was forty percent. It might have been only forty percent of S and P five hundred companies are worth more than yeah yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So only forty companies are worth more than two hundred forty billion on the S and P five hundred. Yeah, that's crazy. That's wild. To put in perspective, right? So either way, clearly got my interest. So I fortunately had already done a lot of my my normal research I would do into buying into buying a stock. So I was already pretty familiar with what I was buying, and and a lot of the reasons why I didn't want to buy it is because I didn't feel like I was getting enough. Uh, margin of safety for the risk that I was going to be taking. Yeah, but it stock. created like, itself. Was, you know, 
But then, so then I was like, okay, well, what changed? Because, you know, because their annual report came out. So I'm like, okay, it's not just an instant buy. Just because something drops 27% doesn't mean that you just instantly buy it because, you know, you have to that's, look at that's know, speculation. what has changed, right? Yeah. So I, I, so I, I crushed their entire annual report. Okay. Just devoured it as quickly as I possibly could. So their stock dropped 27%. Guess how much? Because, okay, so like earnings report came out, stock dropped 27% like that instantly. So like, so it, that's what triggered the drop, okay, was this earnings report. Like that came out, stock dropped instantly the, the moment it came out, okay? Because it, it came out after, it came out on uh, uh, Wednesday after the trading day. And then there's something called post-market where people can still kind of trade after hours. That's when it dropped 27%. So it actually, when the opening bell came on, it then was already at that lower mark. Yeah. So it didn't drop 27%, you know, it was important to understand. So the earnings call was very particular. So I'm like, okay, so guess how much uh, their revenue grew. Grew? Yeah, like, so so you, stock dropped 27%. Just guess how much their revenue grew year over year. So hold on, this earnings reports for the year? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. They they well they they were they they announced their fourth quarter earnings and their annual report came out at the same at time. the same time and then it caused the whole thing to drop yeah, by twenty seven percent. Well, it, I don't know if it caused, but clearly someone. My my, my guess, my guess, in entirety of twenty twenty one, Facebook probably doubled the revenue. No, 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 no. But thirty five. Oh, 30, sorry. Okay, thirty five or thirty seven percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't I, don't know, know. Know. I don't know. The way you framed it, I had to go for it. You know. Well, no, that's still a fucking lot. What do you mean? It's a fucking, no, no, no. Thirty five percent is ridiculous. Oh, it's ridiculous when you're when you're doing um ninety when you went from ninety billion to one hundred and eighteen billion. That's kind of fucking ridiculous. Yes. It's not like you're going from like I find it difficult to grow thirty seven percent like from one point two to you know one point eight million. Like let alone yeah. you know it's a different thing. Um, but this was the most. This is uh this this is the craziest one for me. So do you know how, like you know how you heard of, like this whole metaverse that that Meta platforms is now you know so they have they have two businesses. They have the family of apps, which is Facebook. Instagram, WhatsApp. Sure. That's like their family of apps. Okay. And then they have a second business called Reality Labs, which is effectively going to be their metaverse company. Okay. Guess, well, actually, first of all, this is one crazy stat before I give you the, the crazy stat on the metaverse. Guess how many monthly individual users. So, like, oh, yeah, gotcha. This is plus or minus 3%, but individual users. So, not on the family of apps? accounts. Uh, monthly. Monthly? 200 million? Guess how many? 3.8 billion yo <laughs> guess how many so that's one in two humans use it at least once a month guess how many use it daily one billion 2.8 yo what the fuck dude <laughs> john i don't like when you tell me that shit of, man because now i'm like yo dude, should i load up on dude, that right dude now? dude one of three people alive right now uses the family of apps at least once a day gotcha that's fucking wild okay this is the crazy part though this is this is the part that blew my mind the most okay guess how much okay actually okay okay guess how much uh snapchat did in revenue in 2020 oh 2020 that's that easily their biggest year uh revenue for snapchat in 2020 oh man Take in mind the company is trading for right now around thirty billion. Thirty billion in revenue. Billion. So at the time it was maybe it was maybe worth around like twenty billion. I guess so. three billion. I have no idea. 
$2.5 billion. Okay, cool. Okay, so pretty close. Yeah, $2.5 billion. Okay, guess how much Reality Labs, so this is the metaverse portion of no way. Uh, no way. Facebook does in revenue. No way. I don't. I don't want to guess. Just guess. I don't want to guess. If you're if two point two. Nah, billion. nah, dude. Nah, dude, dude. Nah, I'm not even nah. fucking with you. I'm not even fucking with you. I'm not even fucking with you. Two point okay, two. Hold on, yo, John. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be that guy. I want to borrow five minutes of your time right now. When you went to do yeah. this report, what did you do exactly? Yeah. What website did you open? What did you download? What did you read? I want to know exactly. Like you want you you want to know like, like you want to know my systems. I want to know your SOP for validating a stock okay. purchase. Okay, so take in mind this is a little bit different than what I would normally do because I had already had a prior research done. Okay, so in this specific situation, where was the prior research done? In the fall, in November. Where, okay, so what include I include that in the SOP. So what I did is, yeah, okay, so so okay, so. My, my first SOP would be, I have to find the company. So how I find companies is I do a, like the same way that if you were like looking for to buy a condo okay. or like you want to buy like real estate, you're going to put on filters, right? So, you know, for, for real, for, for real estate, you might put on a, a filter of like, okay, here, which, you know, which city do you want to move to, you know, whatever. Right. Or, you know, if it's, yeah, you know, you might, okay, wait, where are you putting these filters, et cetera. Uh, it's called a stock screener. There, I mean, you, there's a there's a gazillion of these available. It's not like a complicated thing. I use Seeking Alpha. Seeking Alpha. Yeah, I like Seeking Alpha because they have like a you can pay for a full year membership up front for like two hundred bucks, and it's it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, and then you filter for what? I well, it depends what I'm trying to find. I mean, I, I'll change my filters, but a little bit here and there. But the the main things I'm looking for are growing revenue. Okay, over over a, a certain period of time. But the reason why it's not you can't always just do this is because a company could technically be down in revenue, but still a buy. So it's it's that's why it's like that's why the filters change because like like because I look for five year revenue growth, but like they might have had like a really randomly good year like five years ago, and this year is still up. Like there's still a, a growth trend over like eight years. You know, so it's kind of deceiving. But anyway, but I look for five year growth um, of revenue. I look for low debt, which typically just means like uh, uh, there's different ways of looking for low debt. But like, my favorite way is uh, how much of the uh, how much uh, what what multiple is their debt of their free cash flow? So I try and find companies that have less than five times multiple. So like five times their free cash flow or less for for total liabilities. Minus capital lease, uh, capital lease obligations, because I don't consider that like, it's yeah, it's 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 for accounting purposes. It's listed down as is long term liabilities, um, so it factors into their total liabilities section. But leases are, I don't know, I, I don't yeah. It's, is there is there free cash flow five times their debt minus long term liabilities? What what's what's Facebook's? Or no, no, I'm just reply. I'm just repeating what you said. You look for or less, yeah, or less. Like so, Meta, for example, they have no debt. Oh my god, dude, that's fucking. <laughs> that's okay. Stupid. Smith and Wesson, by the way, no debt either. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. 
And when I say no debt, I mean, these, these are such large businesses that like a couple hundred million dollars on a line of credit here and there is, is totally normal. So like, that's like, that's like, that's all things that get paid off. Like that's just a part of their cash flow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, like them using a billion dollars in on their line of credit is not like, like, you know, that gets paid off. Like, it's not like a, like, that's, that's like, that's like me using my credit card effectively is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Okay. So when I say no debt, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, that. Yeah. Um, and then I'll look for other things too. Like, I mean, some of these things don't matter as much cause you know, but like I look for sh- declining share count. I, d- I really don't like share dilution. So like businesses that are buying back shares rather than issuing more. That's a good sign. If you're buying back your stocks. It's not necessarily a good sign, but Most, it's something that I it's something that I find is helpful when analyzing. So you're looking for declining share rates. Share what? It's not. Was it? Yeah, what you say? It's yeah. It's something I filter for, and one of the one of my arguments for that is, I mean, not all businesses that buy back shares. I'll give you an example. Like there, um, there's like both Canadian uh, railroad companies, so CP and CN. I think are both severely overvalued in my opinion, but they're both buying back shares aggressively. So I think it's a misallocation of shareholder capital, but nonetheless, those are two share counts that are declining. But like you look at something like, you know, Tesla, like they're like they have like thirty three percent more shares over the last like however many years, right? So I, I I don't like to get diluted. I don't think it's I just it's not really my my thing because I mean if a company is diluting their shareholders, it typically means their stock is overvalued. Because why would you issue shares if you thought it was undervalued? Yeah, yeah. you know. So anyway, it's something I look for. But okay, point being, after stock screening, I find a company. And then from there, I just quickly look through like, okay, one, do I think I can even remotely understand the business? So like, is there actually a chance? So like, for example, a lot of times banking, banking, like, uh, like there'll be like a steel company, for example, that will come up and it's like, I don't know. It's commodities. I don't know if I can understand commodities. Like that's just, that's, that's a too hard category for me or, uh, banking. I just, dude, I don't understand banking. Like I've, I've read a gazillion books about banking and I still don't understand banking. So I'm just going to banking too hard. Right. So it has to be a business that like I can legitimately understand as in I could explain the business to you, Ammer. I could explain how the business operates, how they actually make money. And it has to be simple enough that I could explain it to Trisha. That's the, that's the litmus test. Can I explain the business to Trisha? (laughs) If I can't explain the business to Trisha, it's probably not a business worth investing in, at least in my opinion. Okay, cool. And then from there, I do a very quick scan of their three financial reports, balance sheet, cash flow, income statement, okay? I should say too, I'm looking for companies that have a PE of less than 25 and uh, free cash flow less than 25. So that's their stock price versus their earnings. Wait, so, so PE less than 25 and cash flow less than 25? Yeah. So like that means that if if their free cash flow is a billion dollars, I wouldn't buy a company that's 26 billion. Say that again? If I, if Well, like basically just 25 times their free cash flow. If it's more than that, I I don't look at those companies. What what is more than that? 26, 27, 28 times free cash flow. I'm, I'm sure. But what is that number? That that's 26 times cash flow. That's their valuation. Oh, valuation. Their stock okay, price. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, there's their not their stock price. Their market cap. I shouldn't say stock price. Their market capitalization is not 25 times their free cash flow. And the market cap is the the total value of all shares outstanding. 
Okay, cool. All right, then what? Well, okay, so then if I look at the balance sheet, I look at the income statement, and I look at the in, uh, cash flow statement, and, and I like what I see, okay, as in it seems like a business that is reasonably predictable, or it like it, it just looks healthy. I, I can't, this part is kind of more subjective, where it's like, I, I look for things that, uh, that I like, I don't know, like just as far as profitability goes, sure. et cetera, I try and understand the story. Okay. Then from there, if, if I look at those three statements and I say, you know what, this business looks like it might be reasonably, reasonably priced. And there's a very quick, very, very quick discounted cash flow model that I can just quickly do, which is basically I just take their, their five-year average free cash flow. And I just multiply it by just some reasonable growth rate and discount it back to the present at 7%. And if it is even remotely, you know, in the ballpark, I'm like, okay, sweet. I'll look into the company, right? Like if it's, if it's, if it's well above what, you know, reason, right. As in whatever number comes up, it should be, there should be at least a 25 to 30% margin of safety, if not more. Okay. Between the discounted cash. You showed, you showed me this face to face, right? It's super quick. It takes less than a minute to do. And, 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 and if you were really good at math, like Warren Buffett, you could do it in your head. This is a very quick thing. And it's not scientific. I'm not trying to actually like do this. Is, this is preliminary, you know, I'm because like take in mind, I can look through like maybe a hundred stocks in an hour, you know, like you can just quickly burn through. It's not hard, right? Because a lot of times it's like, nope, too hard. Nope, too hard. Nope, too hard. This looks interesting. Mm, I don't know about this. Next one. I don't like their balance sheet. Next one, you know, like you can just quickly burn through, right? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. A company could have five-year uh, growth on their on their five, like five-year growth on their five-year revenue, but their, but their ten-year could be like one-third of what it used to be. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I like that. You know, like there, there's weird examples that can come up. Like someone might have like their free cash flow might be totally fine. But they might have like, you know, uh, versus their long term liabilities, but they might have like no cash on hand, meaning as they're going to have to take on a bunch of debt to actually pay their current liabilities, you know. Hmm. So then I was like, well, then it's kind of false. Either way, then if at this point, I'm like, you know what, this company has merit, let's look into it. I print off their latest annual report that's available. And I burn through the whole thing. These reports are somewhere between you know, on the low end, maybe 80 pages to the most I've ever seen was 250 pages. Okay. Oh, where do you, now, where do you print them off? There's a, uh, you can just go to their website, like any, any publicly traded business. So if I Google, that has, uh, meta latest annual report, I will have no problem finding it. Yeah. No problem. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. If you can find a menu for a restaurant, you have the ability to find a, cool. it's called a 10K. 10K? Yeah, it's called a 10K report. How do you, has, yeah, this, has it spelled? Spelled? 10, like the, the numerical 10 and then dash K. Oh, dash K. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's just an SEC, SEC filing. Cool. So Securities and Exchange cool. Commission. Cool. Okay, it's just, it's a filing, right? Cool. So either way, it's called an annual report. So I, I burned through that. Now, a lot of the end report is things you don't have to read. Like a lot of it's just for compliance sure, reasons. Yeah, yeah. So I remember you told me about the that. main thing is I'm reading are, yeah, the main thing I'm reading, I'm looking at are, okay, like is, is there a shareholder letter? Is there like a, you know, usually there's a shareholder letter or like there's a, there's a business overview that explains the whole business to you. And then there's my favorite part, which is the risk, uh, basically just risk factors. So like basically the business has to, you know, basically legally. Okay. So lawyers write this. So it's kind of funny wording, but 
basically they explain every single thing that they think poses a risk to their business model being successful. And so I read through all of that and just see what their stances are because they have to like legally outlay everything that, that is a potential risk to you as a shareholder, mm. okay, about the business. Mm. So I read through that very carefully, okay? Some things I just glance over because like some of it's like very generic, like macroeconomic interest rates could change. I'm like, fuck it, I don't know that, you know. Too complicated, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, I'm not going to understand. I'm not Ray Dalio. I don't know how to understand interest rates. So some of the things I gloss over very quickly, although some businesses are uniquely affected by macro events, but I tend to avoid those businesses anyways, like commodity businesses. I've just... They always look good and I never understand why I should buy them, but they're not always good investments. So I don't buy them because I just, I don't, I don't understand why I don't understand when to buy it or not buy it. Okay. Or sell. So, um, true. I read through the annual report. If it looks good, I will then start reading through, I'll start listening to their web calls. Okay. Like if I really like the, uh, the annual report, I'll start kind of working on maybe a better evaluation from there. Where do you listen to web then calls? I'll, they just on their website, every, every publicly traded company has an investor section on their website. Like you just like, you know, like on the tabs on the, you usually just scroll right to the bottom of the webpage and somewhere it'll say investor investors or investor relations, click on that. And then it'll you usually have a category for quarterly reports, annual reports, press releases, news, and web calls. Well, when you click on a quarterly report, it'll usually have a web call below it, which is usually like a 25 to, well, that's kind of a weird number, 30 to an hour and a half, maybe, hour long. It's like a podcast, but it's like really boring. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's basically them just reading out the annual report and offering commentary. And there's usually a Q&A at the end for shareholders. Oh, dope, okay. Not, actually, not even just for shareholders, just for anyone that's like analysts and things like that. Um, but I like it because you can actually hear the people talk and, and they offer usually additional information on the web calls that maybe aren't there. You can also read the transcripts as well. Like there's business like seeking alpha, I think has transcripts on theirs, you know, but point being, I'll listen to a few web calls, get a good taste of like, you know, who the management is. And then I look into the management of like, who are they, you know, where, what's their background. Then I, um, uh, will then at this point add it to my watch list. Um, and continue doing research okay uh which is reading more annual report i'll read annual reports from maybe five six years ago and see like okay like what was their objective five six years ago and did they hit that objective wait say that like, again okay, you added so you, you added to the watch list and then you go back and do what read more annual reports oh. basically i'll go like 10 years i'll go 10 years ago and say okay what was their goal right because 10 years ago what did they say was the future did that actually happen did they actually achieve their goals you know, is it the same management that it was 10 years ago, right? Like I look for these things. Where right? do you find management? So, oh, every single annual report will have a list of all the directors and, and uh, all the directors and, and members of the board. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, okay. So then from there, I start looking at like past annual reports and see, okay, what are the growth numbers? Also, I verify that the company, that like that the the information I got, this is very important, the information that I'm looking at when I look at their in uh, on the stock screener, I'm just, I'm also confirming that the information is correct because I've had it happen before where the stock screener I happen to be using had the wrong information or it was like, subjective because like a company might list its free cash flow as one thing but like maybe the stock screener was listing levered free cash flow versus unlevered or there's just a lot of different things that like like so you double you, you double check the math right. in the reports 
I double check to make sure that the numbers that are being reported are correct, correct. And, and things get revised later as well. That's another thing too. Like when, like when you release an annual report, it, there can be revisions that don't necessarily get updated in the stock screener. So anyway, I just double check the numbers. Then from there, I if I like the company valuation, where it is now, I buy. If I don't, I have it on my watch list and I wait till it's in. in so in this case, I did all of that work I just said to you for Facebook. <clears throat> I didn't like the I liked the price. I thought it was fair, but it but I, but given the additional risks that I saw in the business, I wanted a I wanted a clear cut margin of safety. Boom, right? You got it. So then stock drops twenty seven percent in one in, in overnight. I quickly read the entire annual report that had just come out the night before. Everything that I had previously thought about the company was even better than before, like as in they had made improvements. And I really like some of the sneakiness that they're doing. I think it's really important to understand the first outside investor in Meta, or in this case, Facebook, was Peter Thiel. And I still think he's influencing the business because they do some accounting things that are pretty savage, okay? Like as in like they, they have a really good way of avoiding taxes, which isn't always the best. I mean, that can come back. I mean, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger both specifically warn about businesses that are good at avoiding taxes, but nonetheless, I think they're doing it in a smart way. Legally, there's no loopholes here. It's just, just the way that they run their businesses. Um, like their effective tax rate is much lower than a lot of other businesses that are of their size. And I bought stock in it because it was, it was at the right valuation. $40,000 worth. Well, no, I have 10,000 right now. And then I'm buying another 30,000 on Monday. So tomorrow. Well, okay. When, when you guys are listening to this, I'll have already have 40,000. Yeah. Give or take. A uh, yeah. Crazy. So that's it. Just, that's how I do it. Yeah, I'm just dissecting that. And we'll see. Maybe, maybe I totally shit the bed. We'll find out. Because this will be the first year where we do a full year of me actually doing my own individual stock picks. Like last year was a couple months, but this year we'll find out. Yeah. What's, what's Smith & Wesson right now saying stock-wise? Smith & Wesson's been very flat. Yeah. Not bad. Yo, yeah. That's a company that people are people are going to want to wait on that one, though. People are probably going to wait for a couple more earnings calls. I think, I mean, if I was a... I think that stock will probably drop significantly more from where it is now, but I don't know. Sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's why that's, I'm, yeah. I'm okay with I'm okay with today's pricing. So I buy it now. I'm not gonna, even though I think it may drop. I'm not going to find out and wait. That's not how you invest. Like no. it, yeah, I'm not trying to time the market that way. So even though I think it, even though I'm pretty confident it's going to drop more, which actually I'm okay with because I'm okay with current pricing. And if it drops more, I'll buy. Yeah, more. yeah. So yeah. I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. I'm getting my gun license uh, next next week. So next time we talk, I'm getting mine. I'm getting mine in a month. Yo, yeah. let's go. Why 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 the delay? You can just call a guy and just get get into class. In Kelowna, there's a huge. Oh, gotcha. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, I guess it's a smaller place, right? Yeah, in, in Toronto, it's probably a lot bigger. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's pretty cool, bro. Thanks for sharing that with me. That's pretty pretty awesome. Um, okay, do you want to do whack versus wise? I really do. Yeah. <clears throat> When did the earning reports uh, get released? Wednesday. Uh, I think it was Wednesday. Boom. Yeah. And then Thursday. Tristan, by the way, bought $30,000 of Meta. Uh, based on what you told him or based on his own research? 
he like so I, so I, I I if anytime I find a company that I think is super sweet, whether the valuation is good or not, I usually pitch Tristan on it. Which by the way, Tristan, this is such a funny story. Now, let me remind me to tell you this funny story right after this. Okay, so um, so anyway, I I run my ideas by Trisha, of course, and sometimes Trisha's like, I don't know about that, you know, like she, she she's like, that sounds kind of like speculation. I'm like, fuck, okay, fine, you know, she's good at calling out speculation on my end, which I like, I appreciate her. But then, um, but anyway, so with Tristan though, I usually pitch, like I'll, I'll usually explain like my investment thesis is for business to Tristan. Um, and he listens and, and I might be like, yeah, but the company's overvalued, right? So here's the funny story. So I remember I, I, I had pitched Tristan pretty hardcore on this company called Las Vegas Sands, which was a, a, a like a casino company. Oh, the, the and, Sands Hotel. Yeah, of course. Well, they actually sold it. Yeah, yeah. They sold it. Yeah, they sold it to Apollo, I think, Damn. for like four or four billion dollars or something like that. Anyway, they sold a lot. So they, um, now it's something like eighty percent of their revenue comes from Macau in Asia, which is a gambling district in China. Mm. Yeah. Either way, so I, that was one of the things I thought was super interesting when I was researching the company. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, that's kind of a fun play on Asia. You know, eighty percent of their revenues from China. Like, you know, and I and I and uh, you know, I kind of, I was kind of like, okay, you know, I kind of wanted some exposure out there. So then. I was looking into this and long story short, I really liked the company, but it was like, there was just too much speculation for me, even though I really liked it. I was like, ah, you know what? I'm going to pass. It's just, it's, it, it's in the, you know, cause basically their revenue had dropped a ton and they were losing money. But then it's like, if they were able to pre return to their pre COVID revenues, the valuation was insane, but there was a huge maybe on the could return. <laughs> so that was the speculation part. So Tristan only got the really good part of the pitch, but I ultimately didn't buy the company. But I, but I, but I remember telling him something like, I forget what it was. It was something like, Hey man, I forget the exact price of the stock, but I was like, if it's below this mark, I'll probably be a buyer. So the stock did actually drop a bunch to that mark and Tristan bought $50,000 worth. Okay. But didn't tell me, but didn't tell me. So the next time he saw me, He's like, hey, man, like, uh, so what do you think about that Las Vegas Sands? You know, last time you were pitching, you know, but he didn't tell me yet that he bought 50000 I'm like, oh, dude, fucking I'm totally out on that <laughs> because a bunch of like really bad news had came out. And I was like, no, nah, dude, like, like, they're like that. Like, that's a fucking risky bet right now because <laughs> because 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 I'm like, because like, even though the stock had dipped into the into my what I said was the price level, I was like, no, nah, man, like 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 the Chinese are like reviewing all their gambling. Laws, like, that could be a fucking total disaster. Like the downside risk is just too great on me on that one. So like I'm I'm out of that stock. I'm like, I'm not going to buy any. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I was just, yeah, just wondering, you know. <laughs> Didn't tell me, right? So then <laughs> so then the stock actually did like collapse from that oh, Tristan was down like no. Tristan was down like fourteen thousand dollars or something like that. Like it was something crazy. And, uh, but it eventually did like, he held on, he didn't sell it did eventually he sold it for a $3,000 profit because he Ooh. just hung on long enough basically. But he told me this like on like two days ago, he's like, dude, by the way, like you remember Las Vegas Sands? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I bought, you know, oh, he's like, what? Like, yeah. But anyway, Tristan though, Tristan bought 30, which I kudos to Tristan, man. I mean, you know, not that I advise people buy stocks just cause I say so like, like as a matter of fact, I would say never buy a stock unless you do your own research. Okay. Tristan and I have a unique relationship where most likely eventually I'll manage both of our money anyway. Like that's probably like, that's kind of, we've already discussed this. That's kind of where I'm grooming myself is to eventually become the money manager for Tristan and I, well, he conquers more lands. I'm solidifying the investments that we have so that we can kind of get like an Alexander great situation where he can conquer and I'll stabilize the you know, the revenues of the, of the places he does conquer. So that's kind of the idea behind that. He's the conqueror. I'm like the, 
guy behind the scenes that way. So that's we already so we have a unique relationship already, okay? So, but kudos to Tristan for actually pulling the fucking trigger on that, right? Like not a lot of guys, you know, like I texted him at like seven o'clock in the morning, like, hey yo, man, just so you know, meta's down twenty seven percent. I I bought today. Mm. Right. And he pulled the trigger on. The, well, tomorrow's gonna open. Do you think it's gonna be down or up? No fucking clue. Yeah. Interesting. Crazy, man. Oh, stuff can be really crazy very fast. Just invest in yourself. Like, that's yeah. mo- that's also a context most people Early miss. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early that's what on, I'm saying. Yes. Most people miss the context. It's like you invested yourself to the point where if you put more money into you or your business, there won't be that much output. So you invest in the market. This is, yeah, this is free cash flow. I've already made all my capital expenditures on my business. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, so tell me how many views does this song have? This has 111,829,472. In how many years? Basically a year ago. Yeah. Or no, two years two ago. Two years ago. So around... Oh, that's so crazy. So 60 million a year. Yeah, no, I know, I know. So this is uh, Lil Baby. Some to I think I've heard of this chick. It's a guy. Yeah, and I know you did that on purpose. <laughs> I know you too well. I mean, we're, we're friends for too long, man. Some to prove. So this is some to prove, little baby. There might be some wisdom here. Might be. I'm going. I'm going aggressive with these. So here we go. So like, do you think he, like if he like like spoke while he's not rapping, do you think he would like sound like that? That's a great question. I don't know for little baby. This is it. Here we go. Uh, let's see. You know who was with Jeezy? This is. I mean, if you're an important dude, but like, you not here, but I'm like, ain't no rapper. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to rap. <laughs> what was it about? You know, I mean, okay. And I, I guess... Uh, Dude, I've never seen an interviewer who talks so much. 
crew. You know what I'm saying? Everybody old, old as hell. Okay. I really was a baby, though. You know what I'm saying? 12, 13. You know what I'm saying?
all of his sons or the, the lead four, the, his top four sons effectively in a family meeting over basically who's going to rule the empire and how it's going to go. Ooh. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty epic scene. Wow. Okay, like, like if there was a movie, this is probably one of the, like the best scenes in the movie. Okay? Wow. 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 The monologue. Angry with the quarreling or yeah, quarreling between his sons, Genghis Khan summoned them momentarily ostracized them by refusing to admit them to court. Then when he finally admitted them, alternately berated, scolded, and pleaded with them. More conversations and quotes survive from this phase of Genghis's, Genghis Khan's life than any other, and they show a growing concern but lessening power to control his family. After too long a neglect of their education, he tried to teach his sons everything at once. And in doing so, he struggled to articulate lessons he had learned and ideas he had, he had but had not verbalized clearly. He was accustomed to giving orders, not making explanations. He tried to teach them that the first key to leadership was self-control, particularly the master, mastery of pride, which is something more difficult, he explained, to subdue than a wild lion, and anger, which was more difficult to defeat than the greatest wrestler. He warned them that if you can't swallow your pride, you can't lead. He admonished them never to think of themselves as the strongest or smartest. Even the highest mountain had animals that step on it, he warned. When the animals climb to the top of the mountain, they are even higher than it is. In keeping with the laconic Mongol traditions, he warned his sons not to talk too much, only say what is, needs to be said. A leader should demonstrate his thoughts and opinions through his actions, not through his words. He can never be happy until his people are happy. He stressed to them the importance of vision, goals, and a plan. Without the vision of a goal, a man cannot manage his own life, much less the lives of others. Some thoughts seem to contradict others. As much as he emphasized the importance of seizing the mantle of leadership, he seemingly sought to impart cautious conservatism in the the vision should never stray far from the teaching of the elders. As he explained it, the old tunic or deal, which deals like kind of like a shirt, the old tunic fits better and is always more comfortable. It survives the hardships of life in the bush, while the new or untried tunic is quickly torn. In keeping with his own sober manner and simple style of living, Genghis Khan warned them against the pursuit of a colorful life with material frivolities and wasteful pleasures. It will be easy, he explained, to forget your vision and purpose once you have fine clothes, fast horses, and beautiful women. In that case, you'll be no better than a slave and you will surely lose everything. And one of the most important lessons he taught. He told his sons that conquering an army is not the same as conquering a nation. You may conquer an army with superior tactics and men, but you conquer a nation only by conquering the hearts of the people. As idealistic as that sounded, he followed with even more practical advice that even the Mongol empire should be he, as idealistic as that sounded, he followed with even more practical advice that even though the Mongol empire should be won, the subject people should never be allowed to unite as one. People conquered on different sides of the lake should be ruled on different sides of the lake. 
like so many of his teachings, this too would be ignored by his sons at their peril. Yeah. That was so good. Dude, the wisdom. Dude. I like the part about the fat, the fat, what was it? Uh, fine clothes, fast, fast horses and beautiful women. It's like, dude, nowadays it's like the same thing, but fast car, you know, it's like, well, horsepower, the transportation's changed. Yeah. But, but things, but like, it's like, it's like the clothes have changed. The women have changed and the, and the transportation's changed, but it's still the same. Don't live a colorful life, right? On his deathbed, Cosimo Medici says to his son, Lorenzo, okay, if you're going to have a, a fancy house, have it in the, have if, if, a fancy villa, have it in the countryside. If you have a, a fast horse, only ride it in the country. If you have fine clothes, only wear them in front of your closest friends and at home. Live modestly. It's a common theme. So good, man. So good. So good. Do you think uh, Genghis Khan had a net positive on the world? It's too complex for me to say. Yeah. He probably killed... No, he, he killed more people than anybody in history. I don't believe... So as a percentage of the population? No, no, no. As like, no as like a number. No, no, no. Joseph Stalin or... Uh, I don't know about now. that, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh. I'm positive. There wasn't, there wasn't even 100 million people alive when he was... Uh, you know, the, the estimates for, for Mao or Joseph Stalin were like 100 million. And there wasn't even 100 million people alive when, when uh, Genghis Khan was around. So it's not even possible. How many people? Genghis Khan, on, on the high end, people say 10 million. On the low end, like... 40 million. A million. No, it's not It's not accurate. All right, look, look, look what I'm looking at. Yeah, well, it's it's not... I don't think it's correct. Carolina Asia Center. This this D book that, I, that I'm reading right now, is it seems to be the... Like, this is the book that, like, you know, like, it seems to be the definitive... The definitive book uh, says somewhere between somewhere between two point five and ten million people, but it's 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 hard to say. Like you know, in the book, he talks about how they 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 have yet to find any mass graves that demonstrate that there's that there's been anything more than a couple million people. Hmm. But nonetheless, as a, as a percentage of the population, he killed like one third of the population of the world, or something like that. Wow, man. No, it's 11%. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. 11% of the world's population. Nuts. I think it was one third of the population of Asia then. That would make more sense. Yo, read this comment of the most interesting fact. I don't believe that was true. Here's the here's what it says. I forgot people can't read this. Most interesting fact is that at a certain point, Genghis Khan's descendants were fighting both the Japanese and the German 
on either side of the Mongol Empire. Neither people were aware of each other's existence, meaning Germany didn't even know that Japan existed and vice yeah, versa. Yeah, I question what he, what, they, what he means by that because it's actually, that's quite possible only because it's Japanese. But like, but there was like, there was trading all across that the, those regions because of the Mongol Empire. So, yeah. Yeah. So, pretty cool stuff. Oh, so oh yeah, there was a correction. Okay, yeah. yeah. It was Eastern European, not German. That was the correction. But, yeah, yeah, okay. Cool, man. What are you up to uh, for the rest of the day? Um, well, I'm going to go get uh, go get on with my, my night. I mean, it's uh, it's 7.20 here, so probably just going to go have dinner with Trisha. Nice. Did you... Um, did you uh, uh, employee wise? I mean, you're booked at half a million. How many full time employees do you have confirmed? Um, not enough. Yeah, for sure. Definitely have to hire more. Well, what are you at? Ten. Dude, Jesus Christ! What are you doing to solve that? Just Indeed. Well, there's a chance that I might be able to get on Indeed next week. Um. I'm having I'm having the same issue that a lot of people are having with getting on with there. Not able to get on there, disabled accounts. Yeah, but, but but nonetheless, I think we found a loophole where we can maybe get on back on there. But um, I'm I'm reasonably optimistic. I mean, I have to hire effectively one person a week in from now until the end of April. Um, so you need what thirty people, not, right? No. Yeah, to to produce one point five two million. No, no, I need about fifteen, fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Are you serious? Well, dude, it's over the course of the entire year. Oh, yeah, yeah, remember, yeah, like, true, I'm true. already doing production. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, true. Like during the summer, I'll need like, at the very most during the summer, I'll need 16 people. Oh, I, see. I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, cruise. Yeah. And so like I start producing already, right? So it's totally different. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. No, I don't need 30 people. I need I need to hire around 10 more people. So cool. and I have about 10 more weeks for the rest of the preseason. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Well, keep on going. Good chatting. I think we're okay, we're sneaking up down three hours here, which was amazing. I, I want to do more of that. Yeah, let's do it, brother. Okay. Good chat. I'm so tired. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I, I'm I'm starving. I'm gonna go grab some food. All right. Have a good night, bro. Okay. Cheers, brother. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material and just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.